Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome once again to Cult Following, your source for film criticism, collectible discussion, and all things pop culture here in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Find us on the internet at cultfollowing.co, and we're available on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere quality podcasts are distributed. I'm one of your three hosts for this occasion, Victor Moreno, along with my fellow cohorts in Cinemania. We've got Kirby Nelson. Fuck you, you fucking fuckity fuck. And Joshua T. Root. Stick to the script. That's right, folks. We're explorers in the deepest regions of celluloid. Demons to some, angels to others. Welcome once again to Cult Following. Hey, guys. It's been a couple weeks since our last episode. We've been busy as fuck. Baff. Get baffled because we went through... All sorts of film reviews from that we're going to chat a little bit tonight about. Movies we've been watching. We're going to talk a little bit about Mad Monster Arizona, which was only two weeks ago, but seems like it was a month ago. <laughs> wow. Right? And <laughs> True. We're going to talk about San Diego Comic Con, which I've been keeping you up to date on on the Cult Classics page, Cult Classics AZ on Facebook. And you should always follow us at cultfalling.co and its associated pages, Instagrams, and Twitters. Also... Uh, in case you want to meet some of us in real life, we've got a ton of events coming up. If you are free this week, uh, this Friday, July 27th, join us at Alamo Draft House Chandler for Dead Night, where I will be doing a Skype Q&A with Barbara Crampton, she of the Reanimator fame. If you are free, oh, that's 727. If you are free Saturday, July 28th. Join us for Cult Classics at the Moxie, where I'll be doing The Last Starfighter, 8 p.m., poolside screening. Uh, we've also got Video Vortex on Monday the 30th. We've got Carnage, and you can join us in August for Video Vortex because we've got Night Screams. Also in August, we've got Fist City at the Alamo. That's right, guys. Fist City, the newest... Uh, predecessor it's the what used to be tough guy cinema now it's fist city i will be hosting screenings of jean-claude van damme's hard target oh wow yeah directed by john Wu. and starting in august we've got terror tuesday your favorite horror movies on the big screen <laughs> it's just now it's just like and now i'm just picturing wilford brimley and hard hard target right so good oh my word and just so you guys know we will be doing dismember the alamo this october at both locations and you'll find out more about that as we get closer but i will be uh programming those with two distinct lineups so you can have a reason to go to both on two separate days yeah all right so enough plugging if you want tickets to any of those co classics az or the draft house app drafthouse.com boom there we go Were you writing all that down, audience? I know. It'll all be on the internets, folks. The internet. Facebook slash Cold Classics AC. All right. So, uh, man, there's so much to get through. All right. Let's talk (laughs) a little bit about, let's talk a little bit about Mad Monster Arizona. All Uh three of us were there to varying degrees. Yeah. It was my first time, actually. Um, I had never gone before. I'd, I'd, I'd stopped in once like after hours and like said hi to you um but i hadn't right. actually been before um so yeah that was really cool 
I know it seemed you had a really cool celebrity encounter there, didn't you, Josh? I did, yeah. So, I mean, I was honestly, the whole kind of experience was, like, I didn't really know how it worked. Like, luckily, uh, you know, Ruby kind of walked me through it a little bit, you know, just in terms of how the whole thing goes down and how to approach uh, people and stuff like that. But, you know, honestly, it's like I, you know, I've been around celebrities before, right? Like, I mean, that's that's not really a new thing to me. I've seen tons of different celebrities under different things. But um, I was like, you know, I knew there'd be a lot of people there, kind walking around i'm like yeah you know that's cool look there's lance henriksen like look there's robert england but then like i saw um d wallace or mm-hmm. d wallace stone depending on the yeah, era we're like talking about always gonna be d wallace stone right yeah uh but i saw d wallace which you know i would i would figure that our um our audience would know who that is but it you know if they don't um you know we were talking about the the, the mom in a lot of movies the mom yeah, from the mom et the, yeah the mom from et critters cujo um uh the hills have eyes yeah that's um, right yeah so um but also she's from the howling uh the frighteners um you know just so many amazing movies and to me she's just like a legend like honestly in many ways like even more than somebody like robert england is to me it's like when i think about the movies that are very impactful to me um i honestly i was surprised at how starstruck i was um you know i kind of don't get that way generally but with her like i was immediately like oh my god that's et's mom like what on earth am i gonna do with myself now and i was like actually almost completely um silent like couldn't even put my words together but um she was very very nice Mm -hmm. and uh you know got a picture with her got like the little like et like little thing which is all vintage looking um and yeah she was just as sweet as can be and that was that was a really cool experience so yeah i was i was happy about that um and then you know other than that like you know i just um you know got a, a few pieces of merch um i sat in on one panel uh which i actually ran into uh ruby as well as you kirby yep. at um which was all the uh, the kids of elm street um, oh nice yeah that was a, that was a pretty cool panel actually it was really fun seeing all of them together because they had a lot of kids from elm street at this particular right place. yeah this con was pretty much aliens terminator um Elm Street, Child's Play, I think that was it. Really, right. if you want to talk about, and uh, Friday the 13th, a little bit of Friday the 13th, a little bit of uh, Nightmare on Elm, or uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That was it, though. It was uh, definitely focused on four or five big properties. Yeah, so, totally. Cornerstones, yeah. So it was a good time, though. Yeah, no, I think we ended up doing a photo op because uh, Adam bought too many tickets on accident. He, like this is the one thing about Mad Monsters, their ticketing system is really confusing. Uh-huh. Like one ticket is good for two adults, right? But it it's confusing if you read it on the sense like, oh, a ticket per adult is good for two people. Oh, I'm confused now. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so he ended up buying right. an extra ticket. So we ended up doing a photo op with him. It was the aliens one. Which I I'm not a huge Aliens fan, mm, okay. but it was. Are you uh, talking about you're not a fan of the series? Because like, we got to no, drill down on this. I meant like you know like Aliens the movie. But you like Alien, right? Yeah, I mean I like the concept of Alien. Okay. Yeah. I know. You know mm, I just okay. Yeah, I don't hate Alien, but I'm not a like like I don't have sure, Aliens collectibles. Sure, sure, totally. Per se, I gotcha. Yeah, but like uh, like how I feel about DC movies. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> 
You know, but uh, the people in the photo op were Lance Henriksen, Michael Bean, and Jeanette Goldstein. It's pretty cool. Who were all in the Terminator film. So I'm like, you know what? I'm fine with that because once I get the picture, I'll just change it to a Terminator background, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm totally going to do. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, so we ended up doing that. And then we were going to do our usual, like, I know most most of you have never been in the cult uh, the cult studio here at Cult HQ, but one of the walls in the podcast is all our photo ops, which is usually really big groups of people because we like to roll that way. So uh, they were being weird. Roll deep? Yeah, they were like, oh no, it's only two people per photo op. And I'm like, what? What? Do you want to show me? Uh, do you want me to show you all the pictures where that's not the case? Yeah. And then, you know, we, I think Ruby actually said that. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, I would do it, but there's a lot of people in line. And then, so Adam and Ann were just going to do it on their own. And then basically, like, Lance Hendricks is like, uh, they're getting upset. No, come on, let's make this work. So basically, what we ended up doing is, uh, like, I knelt down and then mm-hmm. Lance Hendrickson kind of buddied up to me with his shoulder on top. And then, like, Jenna Goldstein put her elbow on my other shoulder, and everyone all huddled in. And, like, I guess that ended up being, like, Lance Henriksen and Jeanette Goldstein's favorite photo of that con. Like, she sent it, she told Adam that she had sent it to her husband to prove she would, she could still look young in photos. <laughs> wow. It's a good one. That's yeah, good so one it was, me. like, a happy accident that made That's the cool. cast, you know, all... Yay! But yeah, it was a good show That's for Vasquez, us. Vasquez, man, right? Yeah. She's Freaking always awesome. going to be the T one thousand and foster mom disguising. <laughs> right? Also, the cop that blows up on the diving pool on the diving board at the beginning of Lethal Weapon two. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Wow, you're totally right. Dude. Yeah, nice one, nice pull. Yeah. So no, that was a lot of fun. We had a really good show. Sold a ton of stuff, and you know, it was cool. We ended up doing like uh, Jennifer Rubin was there. And, you know, she did, like, Nightmare 3 called Classics back in, what was it, October? Yeah. Yeah. Friday so, 13th. yeah, and then she was, like, all, you know, I, I'm i good friends with her now. Like, she calls me about random stuff sometimes. That sounds like name dropping. She's a nice lady. <laughs> She's a nice lady. She, like, likes to check in on the cult folk. She actually, I ran into her. I was at, uh, <clears throat> I think it was Punk Stuff's table or something like that. And randomly I said something like, the guy was like, oh, go check over there for the pricing. And I was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And she's like yelling at me. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? And I look, look turn around and it's her. And she's just a huge hug. Is the, one of the nicest people. I mean, that's the one thing I do really love this year, especially. Like, there are people I love seeing, like, uh, Felissa Rose is, is honestly, besides D. Wallace, is one of the nicest people in the world. Uh, PJ Souls. But there's always just so many, um, Felicia Rose from Sleepaway, Sleepaway Camp? Camp, yeah, is one of the most genuinely wonderful nice. person. I get that reference um, now. Yeah, her, um, hu- uh, husband is Darren Miller from the bands CKY and World Under Blood, right? And he shows up, of course, like with the whole family. Um, he was a guest at last. Yeah, year's. he was a guest this year, but he likes to do more of just like hanging out. But I actually caught him in the hallway. I think he was doing an interview, but he, or just randomly like serenading. But I caught him doing Metallica's Fade to Black. Yeah. And it was just awesome to see him. Uh, I met him years ago, actually, when I helped Victor at Days of the Dead in L.A. And it was, uh, he's just one, I'm a huge fan of his. He has a, a melodic death metal band called World Under Blood. I'm a big fan of. And I love CKY, too. But he um, is just one of the nice, uh, one of the kindest people you meet. Uh, Amanda Weiss. Weiss. Weiss, I, mean, Weiss, I think. Weiss. I always end up, start with Weiss, and it's Weiss. Um, 
Uh, I am a huge Shockma fan, uh, which she only brought like one copy of the photo, the eight by ten for it, and was kind enough to gift it to me. Um, I still support her and bought some other stuff because I love her and Nightmare Shockma, Better Off Dead, so many amazing movies. So, yeah. um, but uh, wa- hung out with her. She was very very cool. Um, I had to do the photo op and, and autograph with uh, Robert England. Uh, oh, I, wow, you did it. Yeah, because I just, I'm like, I'm never going to want to do this again. I'm never going to want to pay the money. It keeps going up and up and right, up. Right, right. I'm lucky to get it for this price. And, uh, hey, man, he, you're not working all that overtime for nothing. Yeah, I do work right. a lot, actually. Um, so it's it's tough. But uh, he was he was actually very kind. I actually asked him a lot of questions about uh, uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, which is what his, his tribute to Donald Pleasance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's... I really enjoyed it. Um, I will say he's the only good thing about D. Snyder's Strangeland. <laughs> oh, God. I saw that movie in the theaters yeah. on opening weekend. I did, too. Like Me, me and my friend Joy went to go see it the Friday it came out yep. at the United Artists Del Amo back at Torrance, <laughs> and we were the only two fucking people in that theater. That was the first time that ever happened. Like I was like, yep. Can we talk in here? <laughs> what? Yeah. 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 I always think the two I've been in that were the, I went to the Bride of Chucky opening day and me and my friend were the only people in the theater and I went to an auditorium, the equivalent of a, this is back in Northern California, but the equivalent of a Cine Capri in California. Wow. I was the only person, only person in the opening day screen of Jason X. That's I actually wow. told, uh, Todd Farmer, um, the screenwriter that that story is like, I believe it. I, I do believe it. <laughs> he was like, um, but yeah, it was. Um, it, it was. I, I Mad Monster. I really feel. Um, you know, it's really the only horror convention yeah. going in Arizona. Uh, the staff. Um, uh, Evan's one of the best dudes in the world. I love. Um, everybody involved with it. Mm-hmm. This is my fifth Mad Monster and. It really feels the way. I mean, like horror is obviously like my main thing, and so to be there with all my friends and celebrate and hang out with so many amazing people, I just love that. Yeah, experience. we we stayed till we stayed after the show on Saturday, and we did the karaoke. Oh yes, and, I was actually going to bring that up. Oh my god, yeah, I missed out. I had to go to sleep because I had to yeah, go to work. But. I, the you know it was fun because like you know everyone's just hanging out, and then. They did the switch over when it was my turn to do Mother by Danzig, and there was no music. So I sang that shit a cappella, and my voice was blown out for like a oh, week. I know, I saw you, and you're like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Hey, what's up? <laughs> but, um, and then, like, and then Jennifer Tell Rubin your showed up. not to sing this way. <laughs> Jennifer Rubin showed up, and she, like, wanted to do karaoke, and then she, like, didn't want to do it by herself. It turned out she'd only done it once as a kid, so basically she made me do a duet with her what'd you guys do we did troy by sinead o'connor amazing yeah so that, heard- that's so it's like just this obscure b-side of sinead o'connor by yeah. the way freaking she would man that's awesome it was really i love she, that but it was funny like we were you know first she like she borrowed my phone so she's listening to it like we were outside beforehand and like straight up she was just like singing to herself it was just me uh I think it was me, Ruby, and Sean, Sean McLaughlin's wife, mm-hmm. Christy. And like, so we got to hear her do it a cappella. It was like really good. She like killed that song. That's awesome. She, yeah. I think she's always seemed like a real actual, you know, rocker type, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so it, were you staying on site like Sean and Christy? No, we like, we got back that night, I think at like 
two in the morning. Oh, dude, yeah, that's a drive and a half, bro. Like, well, we live man. in Tempe. I think it was only like a, well, that's a 20 good point. miles or something. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. It helped a lot getting the Prius this year. I spent like <laughs> one and a half gallons for three or or six round trips or yeah. some. So yeah, it worked out well. But I can't imagine a scenario where I would actually stay at that hotel mm-hmm. living this close to it. You know, but I'm sure it's not cheap. They no. had a, they had mad monster room rates like a block block like for hundred dollars. Uh, I think it was about like eighty or something plus oh, plus taxes and fees. Yeah. But it's. You know, it is what I it mean, is. Some the, people the enjoy. talent stays there too, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that band might be kind of cool. Is mm-hmm. like having the chance of just like running into somebody yeah. in the hallway. Well, I did I that at Monster Palooza this year. We ended up at the same hotel all the talent, but it was like it was more more like you run into them on like the trolley to the sure. hotel. Like I ran into a Ken Foray in an elevator. We didn't talk, and uh, Pam Greer was in the same elevator as us. And wow, you know, and that's then, but, pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like we were on the same trolley as like um, Ashley Lawrence a few times from Hellraiser. Yeah, she's nice. Bad. Yeah, I also just want to quick say and though, uh, Boris Karloff's daughter. Oh yeah, Sarah Karloff. Yeah, yeah. I want to say though that my best, uh, just because I got a one up Josh here a little <laughs> bit was when I met uh, D Wallace years ago at mm-hmm. Monster Palooza when I was younger and probably a little bit better looking, but she. uh not that I ever think I'm good looking, but she <laughs> actually said, I was like, oh, you know, it was nice to meet you stuff. She's like, oh, it's fine. Uh, we just talked for a while. And she's like, that's fine. I always, I always like it when good looking guys stop by my table or something. Oh, like, or hot man. guys. And I was like, Mill crush for let fucking me just say, life. D Wallace has like still got it together. She does. Like I was like showing pictures and they're like, like everyone was like, wow, she looks great. I, I also do want to say the only. Because this year I was actually worried because I was like happy that Mad Monster was after Phoenix Con before some of the other cons. But I was like, oh shit, Prime Days this week. My only Prime Day purchase was I bought the 4K set of E.T. for $9. Oh, and, wow. and I didn't know it was like a Darn, huge I wish you would have sent that to me. Sorry, I man. I get that. I, yeah, I, I was just, I could not believe. I was like, this is all I'm going to buy yeah. is one Blu-ray for nine bucks. Buy, I was happy. I didn't buy anything for Prime Me Day. There really was. That was the only I thing I saw. That, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, man. Nah, I feel bad, okay. but no, it's, no, just, no. it's one of those ones where I just kind of I'm like I don't know how much you're watching it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like where they yeah. have the upcoming deals, but I saw absolutely nothing this year. Yeah, and it, it was, sounds well, like that the was same. like San Diego, where like I was surprised more people didn't like try to hit me up to get stuff because like nobody did, you know. So it was like I only got you that button because I saw you post about it on Instagram. Yeah, and I I just want to say that was my opening salvo. There was not towards you, loving dear viewers that I adore. It was actually the uh, text from the Walking Dead comic enamel pin from yesterday's dot co that i got <laughs> which i have been pining for since i posted yeah we got to represent yesterday's because they're they're in the dot uh, co crew yeah there, that's right? true yeah yesterday stuck together and I, I, love- I really like yesterday's they they honestly have you know i used to collect them they're actually who got me into pins my first enamel pin ever was their uh dick tracy with the face hugger on it yeah. Oh, um yeah. you know and that's actually what got <laughs> me into vinyl pins but um i don't know just most of their designs now they're just too yeah, licensed yeah. they're not sure. obscure enough yeah i um, like i they're still probably my favorite pin people like i got the misfits comics pin where it's like the marvel comics long box yeah with the fiend skull in i it. also mm-hmm. see you got a fiend 
Yes, I did, but I, I dinged the box up bringing it home. Ah, but it's it's cool. It's like I got a Remco fiend from Super it's Seven. It's very cool, man. It's no yeah, because I have a real, fr- I have the real Frankenstein uh, Remco. They also glows in the dark, so yeah. I figure mm-hmm. I'll pair them up eventually. Nice, you know. Yeah, it looks amazing. I really like that. I always like the Remco. Look. I got a bunch of cool shirts from Super Seven. I got uh, their Wing Kong monster that looked really good, and I got two of the Street Fighter shirts. One was all the continue faces when they're all beat up. That's as pretty a grid. awesome. And then it was like the the shocking Blanca shirt, which is like everybody's skeleton when shocked by Blanca. That's pretty awesome. As like a grid, and it's like on gray. Especially because Blanca's my guy. Right? I agree. Mine as, as like, well. Yeah, yeah, Super 7 was like, that was my shirt spot at like San Diego Con. I was like, I'm getting that one. They have very one, good shirts. One. They they like oh they're always one of the best ones. Well, sure. and I was talking to them. They're like, yeah, we have our guy. Like we take screen captures and we have our artists like go in and redo them mm-hmm. pixel by pixel in Illustrator. Yeah. So it's not just a screen capture cheapy shirt. Yeah, I'm pretty sure actually not it was, a T Fury uh, special. Yeah, Super Seven. I got this shirt, which I mean. I, you know, I don't know. Am I the only one? It's like shirts just literally completely disappear from your life and you have no idea where they went. Oh, they used to happen to me all like, the time. Like, it happens to me constantly and I don't even know how it happens. So this is like one of those shirts that's just gone to time, but it was Admiral Akbar. Yeah. But like, as like an old, oh, like, I remember naval you wearing Admiral. that shirt. Yeah. You lost that shirt? It's just gone. Oh, dude. weird. Like, I'm not even gonna say I lost it because where do you lose shirts? Right. It's not like I'm like staying over at people's houses all the time and I'm just like, oh, my clothes are strewn throughout the valley. Yeah. Like, I don't know where. You the fucking whore they I are they used true. to happen to be more when i traveled a lot like right. 10 years ago like i i remember i when i went to ecw one night stand i got one of the ventures the ecf and w one mm-hmm. and i wore that shirt all the time I went to stay at my parents house for like a week and did laundry there once that's it i never right. saw that shirt again <laughs> yeah like a lot of my like i don't know where my last starfighter speaking of last Starfighter, i don't know where yeah. my last starfighter cult shirt is yeah just gone just gone, you yeah. know. So it's, yeah, it anyway. was in the bin. I think <laughs> we had a clearance sale at <laughs> yeah, Mad right? Monster, and yeah. we did clear out a lot of shirts. <laughs> I know. My whole goal is to like try to like get all the old cult classic shirts like cleared out, like you know, by like you know the end of the year, because I kind of just want to start afresh with like you yeah. know like nicer, like just like next level yeah. type, you know, and do some more original designs. Some of that American Apparel shit. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, so speaking of San Diego Comic Con, uh huh. So you just got back from SDCC. Yes. Now that that's not. I know it was Ruby's, not your first con, right? Not your first no. SDCC. No. Okay, awesome. Um, so how was it, man? What are some of the highlights? Uh, it was really good. Like, uh, I mean, there's a lot to get into because I really like. I went to a lot of panels to try to get info, and mm-hmm. um, and I was taking video during the whole con, so I was posting stuff on uh. Our YouTube channel, which I'll link up on the page, but like you know, I, I was I, a few of the videos I posted actually went viral, which was really mm-hmm. cool. Like, um, I did I went to the WWE panel, and uh, AJ Styles, the WWE champion, was there, and I asked him like uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling question, like, are you on Team Kenny Omega or are you on Team Firing Squad? Because there's a you know a, a division going on, and he actually answered the question, nice, which, and then like. like you know, we got back. It's like, oh look, Ruby! Like my video has like forty thousand views in the last couple hours. You know, so that was pretty cool. And then, pretty like, awesome. uh, one of the other things that I posted that got like a ton of views was the uh, 
the box uh, booth at San Diego Comic Con where they had an animatronic Deadpool singing songs with the Rockafire explosion from uh, Showbiz Pizza yeah. and Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, that was sweet. It was pretty cool. Basically, what is you get you would get in line to get like into the pit, mm-hmm. essentially. And then if you like stay there for a song and every day it was like a different song, like you would get a free Deadpool t-shirt. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, they and that's kind of what was sucky that they weren't actually like selling anything. Right. You know, but it, it was fine. You know, like you could pre-order Deadpool on sensor and they would give you like a Deadpool trucker cap, which didn't look good. So I didn't bother doing that. You know, and you wouldn't get a poster. You just got a trucker cap. But, like, I posted, like, a video of them doing one of the songs from the first Deadpool movie on Wednesday. And then uh, I came back and did another video. And they had uh, the the girl in the Rocket Fire Explosion singing 9 to 5. Oh, okay. So that was kind of cool. That's cool. Yeah. And then um, what else did we do? Um I have a checklist here, so I'm trying to make sure everything. There it is. Deadpool. Man, that's there. All right. And then um, I went to the panel for uh, the Purge TV show, which was really interesting because uh, they had James DeMonico on the panel, the writer and uh, director of the first three Purge movies, writer of the Uh first Purge. They had the girl who's the star of the first Purge, which is out in theaters right now. They had Jason Bloom, the guy sure. behind Bloomhouse there, Ryan Turek, who's like their VP. And then they had the entire cast and showrunner of the Purge TV show, which starts up in the fall. So they were basic. the whole panel is basically like a Purge overview, right. but also hyping the TV show. Um, who else? Um, uh, Brad Dourif's daughter, I, what's Fiona? Fiona was on there, and she's like plays like an evil cult leader, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was really interesting. You got like a lot so of clips. Greatness runs in the in the family. Yeah, her. I kept joking, like, man, she looks like a cross between like Brittany Murphy and Bruce Balk. Wow! <laughs> if they had sex with Brad Dourif. Oh wow! All right. But, uh, no, she's super Too bad nice. that wasn't the interview question you asked her. <laughs> no, actually, I asked, I, basically, on that panel, I asked that James DeMonico, like, why, if, if there was a reason why the first purge didn't, uh, address the no assassination of government members level 10 or higher. Right. You know, and I was, like, kind of trying to get around, I was like, you had an opportunity here to kind of like do an assassination <laughs> of Donald Trump thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. And it's like, are you saving that for any day? And it's like, uh, you know, it's, you know, I think a lot of what we do is informed by what goes on. And I think you can see that. In yeah. The purge, but yeah, I don't really want to get myself in trouble. Yeah. Let's not go that on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, awesome. No, and was... then, uh, you also met, um, that, or Catonic? Oh, yeah. So I did, I did this panel, uh, it was run by, uh, Jen Yamato from, uh, the LA Times, who's really mm-hmm. awesome. Sure. And, uh, it was called The Bold Voices of Horror. And basically it was like, oh, it's a rundown of what you, it's coming up and what's going on in horror for those who don't really know what's going on. And they had, um, RKSS there, like all of them, they've flown in from Montreal. If you don't know, RKSS is the collective that uh, directed, wrote, uh, created Turbo Kid. 
Awesome. And they also did uh, Summer of 84, which is coming out in the fall. I think it played at the Phoenix Film Festival. I didn't get a chance to see that because I was out of town. Um, they had uh, Rusty Cundy, who is the uh, writer, director of Tales from the Hood and Tales mm-hmm. from the Hood 2, which is coming out soon. Um, they had uh, oh, this girl who does... Uh, fun size horror and she was talking about like micro horror features mm-hmm. and they had a uh, Dave Titanic who is the uh, writer and developer of the terror on AMC Josh's favorite show yeah and, number one m- m- show of 2018 and he is also the writer of the Suspiria remake which I didn't know that until yeah. I was actually like watching the panel and it was it was a really good panel. Ryan Turek was there uh, to talk, kind of represent uh, Bloomhouse, and they talked about like you know Bloomhouse is like developing a lot of these low budget horror movies. Kind oh of, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. but like well, that's of- like his rule, right? I mean, the, the, as I, as I understand it, is that um, you know obviously as a green light your movie, but basically um, Bloom's thing is I'll give you ten million, mm-hmm. you have complete directorial control as long as you don't go over ten million. Yeah. I, and during the purge panel, that's exactly what like somebody asked. It was like we could do big budget films if right. we wanted to now, and but I won't because you're not you know anybody could do that. And I think if you have a good concept and you have a strong vision, you can make it work. Oh yeah, you could easily make it for ten million. And and what I love about that approach is it's like. We're not going to make one giant bet. We're going to make a ton of little bets, yeah. right? And and of course, some of those are bound to pay off. And, yeah. and I obviously it works. And I also love that. I mean, look at Split. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it lets it lets somebody like Shyamalan, who is definitely on the outs, and I mean, he can make a movie like The Visit. He can make a movie like Split. He can do these very small budget for him. And I think honestly that's one of the things that held Shyamalan back in his quality is yeah. these bigger budgets no i think it's one of those happy accidents because like mm-hmm. i mean with glass coming out like somebody had mentioned you know you know, like oh the twist is like the grandparents from the visit are in that uh psychiatric <laughs> hospital and i'm like they could be yeah there's nothing saying all these films weren't in the same universe yeah you know, you could have like the people from Devil in that mental hospital. Correct. You find out, yeah. oh, it's all one big universe that all the M Night movies take place in. You know, which is, I think that would be an awesome twist, honestly. Totally. But yeah, I'm like this. Yeah, we saw the split trailer too, and that would oh, the I, glass one. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the glass yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm bummed I didn't get the poster for Glass. That looks really awesome. Really nice yeah, awesome. but um, no, that panel was really good. Um, like I guess Spectre Vision was supposed to be there, but like. Elijah Wood had uh, work him out. So mm-hmm. instead, he uh, he sh- he did like a little video, right? Like they, where he came in, it's like, hey, you know, um, we want to thank you guys for inviting the panel. We we didn't get to be there, you know. Want to thank uh, you know all our friends there, but since we can't be there, here's like the here's like five minutes from Mandy. Oh, that's cool. Which cool. was fucking awesome really i can't like really describe the footage because it's panels cosmatos all i can tell you is that it involved dueling chainsaws and a tiger wow a fucking real tiger an not actual a sea- tiger yeah I, I, I don't even want to spoil it i'm just like holy fuck there's a fucking tiger and nicholas cage with a giant ass chainsaw sword okay i'm all in sold yeah 
yeah, I'm so excited for Mandy. You guys don't even know. Uh, I've got an idea, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've, I've, that trailer looks amazing. Yeah, and it was him talking to um the scene of the intro was basically him Nicolas Cage interacting with um Richard Brake, the guy from um Game uh, of Thrones and Thirty One. And it was just really intense. I was like, man, this guy is so good at doing monologues. He is. Yeah, like, he's just like, oh, somebody broke you. Oh, you poor, poor soul. Oh, man. (laughs) It's like, oh, don't be afraid. She'll only kill you if you have fear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was just like, this movie, I have no idea what it's about, but I'm just like, I'm all in on that. And then, um... You know, Rusty Cundiff, he talked about Tales from the Hood too. I was kind of, he didn't have like a video to show, but we did get to see like a long scene from Summer of 84, which looked really cool. Um, if you like Synthwave, uh, uh, Les Matos is doing the whole score. Cool. Well, at least the music will be good. But I mean, you know, I like Turbo Kid because I believe that Turbo Kid, like, I don't know. I mean, I've got a lot of feelings about this kind of stuff, but I think things like Kung Fury yeah. are all wrong. And oh, yeah, things no. like yeah. Turbo Kid are all right. Yeah. You Agreed, know? 100%. Yeah, Summer of 84 has a very, like, Stranger Things meets Donnie Darko vibe awesome. to it. Like, awesome. by way of the babysitter. Yeah. Like... You know, yeah, if like, they actually understand what makes 80s yeah. movies good and they're not just like, oh, I don't know, I guess an arcade machine that turns into a robot, I guess. Yeah. You know, like that, that kind of thing is, it, it goes a long way. Yeah. So it's, that's it's awesome. Well, Jen Yamato was talking about it and she's like, it feels a lot like it follows because she's yeah. seen it. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, a, I'm in on that because it follows kind of feels like an 80s Very movie. much. Well, it's, it's a, it's a, it's one of the ones of the few that really goes for the timeless kind of feel, yeah, which right. I do admire. Like one of my favorite movies is Found of the yeah. last few years. Found was it's pretty much a timeless movie. You can't exactly tell what period it's in, but I feel like um, I mean that's I hundred percent agree on Kung Fury. I I personally was just like yeah, whatever. This feels like a cop and all that. Well, shit. no, it's just it's that so it stupid. just feels like I mean. Think about something like Axe Cop or something that's yeah. written by a five-year-old, so right. you kind of, kind of give it its due. Sure. But I have an issue with, generally, with, like, the absurdity and, like, the Cartoon Network kind of kids, Adult Swim kind of people. I, I have a limitation yeah. on that. Like, I right. think it can be incredibly creative and interesting, but that's also my issue. And I've talked about it several times. Is I grew up in the 80s. I, I enjoyed it. Had lots to offer. But this whole, I, I hate the whole like we're going back to the 80s every fucking time the 80s was not the the apex of everything <laughs> and yeah. i i'm really sick you of, take the, that back right now the only thing worse than that honestly that i can think no it really wasn't and no i get than, it man th- there were so yeah. many good things but it's also like you know you look back on some of the things that you're nostalgic about and you realize if you're honest with yourself you're gonna realize that it wasn't all that great you're yeah. gonna say the time when i enjoyed it when i was young right, it was right. great but, like, the other one I feel with that is the whole, um, uh, it's kind of like, the only thing I probably is going to top that is, well, first, next, you have, I was thinking about they're going to do the, uh, N64 mini this next oh, year because no. they're going progressively <laughs> right, with their systems. Right, right. And I'm like, oh my no, God. That I is genuinely terrible. <laughs> I don't even know if that's actually happening. I think no. the, the re-release this year was the, of the SNS. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're doing one every well, year, every two years. The, the, the rumor that I actually hear is that the Game Boy 
is that they're actually oh, going to do the Game Boy. Too. If they brought yeah. out like a Game Boy you could buy, I would buy and it. And, like, and it had like a backlit screen, yeah. you know, and everything. But that's yeah. a decade-long cash cow because yeah. you can do N64 and then GameCube. Right. And even Wii, especially if you were able to have a controller, Ooh. like wow. a Hori, a game, Hori GameCube yeah. controller. Type Dude, if they could put out a $70 Wii that just had all the best, best games, games of the Wii built well, in, the, oh my um, god. All the and with a hand control yeah. instead of the motion controls right. or the mix. Yeah, but I just mean that. That's what I'm saying. Like, um, you know, people are gonna be like, "Oh, that's the greatest thing." It's like this was this was the greatest period. Well, here's what that's, that's interesting, and because you know, actually, like uh, Joe Bob Briggs brought this up, like in his uh, his a marathon thing, and he talked about. It. He's like, I understand why everybody's all nostalgia for the '80s. You know, in terms of horror movies, he's like, you know, '70s is so much better. And I think you even talked yeah, about this. Right? Talk about you know, '70s is the best time but for I horror. Think one of the reasons people are nostalgic for it, it feels like that was the boom of VHS of films. Right, like, right. Anybody could make a movie about anything, and it could find distribution. Totally. Well, so was, you can find a movie about basically anything. Anything, right, and right. it probably came out well, in the and 80s. And it was the heyday of of um, animation for a lot of people. Yeah, it was the uh, the apex of pop. Like literal for me, pop though, music. it's it's like it's like it's specifically in the eighties. It's not horror that I or, or even it's it's escapist and specific like escapist fantasy. I think eighties was the apex. But even just like movies like E. T. Um, you know, movies like that that kind of give you this whole like, cause you're right, things were like bad in the real world in the 80s. And what, you know, people wanted mm-hmm. this feeling of escape, right? And so that's where I believe the 80s were amazing yeah. is because take me away from oh, yeah. this. It's also madness. the height of practical effects. I right. Mean, there's, right. There's, you can't say that about many things like, oh, oh like, oh, was the, t- are, are we living in the height of CGI right now? No. Oh, right. But you can't, no one can make an argument that like the 1980s are the apex pinnacle of good practical effects oh no you can see that in tons of movies like i said it's not it's not like it's not an issue that i have it's just that people it's beyond like i agree with you i think it's also but there is a rose tinted thing that i'll always have an issue with with people it's like you need to stop like you just need to stop with the the constant like everything was great and i'm not even talking the real world i'm Mm -hmm. actually talking about the entertainment in which people are just so well like, you know you know where on, you're man. right about this and and yeah. i mean i'm gonna totally agree with you so um and i brought it up i think uh, a couple episodes ago but i had watched um my science project mm-hmm. right and that was my first time ever watching my science project and um and i was like yeah, kind of, because I'd never watched it as a kid, so I didn't have that nostalgia, and I had this, like, weird experience of, like, oh, this must be what it feels like for people to watch the 80s movies that I grew up with, and I absolutely am, like, gushing over, because they don't have that nostalgic connection, sure. and this is probably how people feel, you know, when I show them things like even The Last Starfighter, because, yeah. you know, they watch The Last Starfighter and go, like, yeah, but you know, it's, Which it still looks amazing. It still does, but I could see how people without that nostalgic Even connection. Even more amazing by poolside, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, yeah, but exactly. No, no, and I don't mean that. It's not, you can have an appreciation for things. It's just people's near religious defensive stuff, mm-hmm. like entertainment wise. It's like the joke of like Harry Potter isn't real now with right. like millennials, but it is. It really is. Like I enjoy Harry Potter. I enjoyed growing up in the eighties. I don't. I'm not going to be, it's like, you can enjoy things, but when you have, like, 
a puritanical fervor for it. Right. Agreed. That's where I have, or I think a completely you, you have to go in, yeah. you have to go in knowing that there's like, and I don't think it's like, don't say like it's the eighties. It's like these things are best, but if you have an aesthetic, you know, appreciation for the things of the eighties, like you guys saw that, did you see that stranger things thing, that star court mall thing? No, I don't think so. Oh my god! I mean, I don't know if you care about Stranger Things at all, but I'll like, enjoy it. so basically, um, Stranger Things put out its quote unquote uh, trailer for season three, which doesn't come out till next year. But it's an intense teaser, and what it is is a commercial for the shopping mall that's this brand new mall in Hawkins, Indiana. Yeah, and it's called Star. Oh yeah, mall. I saw that. Um, yeah. And that's and it doesn't really indicate should it doesn't talk about the show, but you see some of the characters. And so basically, what Netflix did is they built this entire mall and they did recreations of Sam Goody and Wicks and Sticks and all these things that like these stores that just simply aren't around anymore yeah. and to use as a set for uh, Stranger Things season three they are they basically rebuilt a mall which is freaking amazing on its own but it also indicates that we're going to the late 80s now because like season two is set in 84 this one's probably going to be set in 86 87 so we're talking about like Tiffany era and we're talking about the mall boom and all that yeah. kind of stuff and like a lot of you know and for me i'm like a fan of vaporwave and like aesthetic and everything so i'm like oh my god freaking stranger things is going vaporwave but again to me and oh well boy, even I, like I, weird I science yeah i, I think it's just, i think it's just the uh, oh wow i jerked something and now i can actually oh there it goes <laughs> so we had we had a technical error that i could actually hear myself in both oh i found it Okay, this is awesome. Okay, so this is amazing. Okay, so um, but you know, talking about Kung Fury, yeah, weird science has scenes that are set in totally, totally. But what drives me crazy it was something like Kung Fury is that it's like people that watched a highlight reel of this is the eight, you know, it's like they watched this is the eighties and then tried to make something and they just threw in a bunch of uh, things that look like their eighties. But again, something like a Turbo Kid, it feels like it truly understands that. And again, to bring it back to where we're going i hope that it sounds like summer of 84 is probably along that same yeah line, that's kind of like the vibe i was getting you know it was like explorers or something oh like that. okay speak yeah. my language you know like oh you know kid like it, it, you know or sort of like house of the devil aping the 80s sure yeah sure yeah uh, it, do you feel that it, that does it in a good way yeah it looked good from i what agree I saw. everybody talk, you're talking about house of the devil though well, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah, I love House of the Devil. Yeah, awesome. But, um, but yeah, then like, uh, where was they talking about? Oh, yeah. So like, uh, Dave Katanic. Like, I talked to him for a while after the panel, and like, one of the things I was really interested in talking to him about is, um, you know, and Jen Yamato brought this up on the panel too. It's like, oh, so you, how does it feel like to have someone call you and say, so hey, do you want to write the remake to Suspiria? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> You know, and when I was talking to him afterwards, you know, because he's, you know, he's in the unique position that he's written a remake to a movie that didn't go over well because he wrote The Invasion. Oh, really? He did. But like what ended up happening is like, and he was just like, you know, like that's one of those movies where like it was directed by the the DP or uh-huh. uh, the Wachowskis who sure. ended up doing V for Vendetta. Right. And then Warner Brothers wasn't happy with it. So then the Wachowskis took over the movie and ghost directed and wrote it interesting like you know like oh we're just gonna rewrite and reshoot most of this movie huh. and, you know and it's like what he wrote is like nothing at all like yeah what, so it's a studio interference yeah kind of and deal. then like that with sucks. suspiria of him and luca guadardino uh-huh. guadagnino 
basically like just like like watched Suspiria and were like, there's not a lot of story here. There's a very basic thing. So basically, right. what he was telling me was like, you know, I approach it from like, what if this was all something that really happened? That there was this ballet school that was a coven run by these ancient evil women and like you know we want to talk about this ancient evil but also like you know the terror of humanity and him mm. and luca were like very influenced by uh rainer uh fassbender movies awesome which is like you know oh that's like a different pull but it also explains why like you know it they're kind of desaturated and everything and then he took like the big drop in that is he told me that they had just like locked in the final cut of, of Suspiria. It's two hours and thirty minutes long. Fuck yes! And I'm like, and it's like you. And he's that like, is so unusual for horror. Oh and, yeah, and fantastic because if it's done well and it's got like this building sense of dread. Yeah, you know, like to actually do that to you over two and a half hours is it sounds yeah. And tremendous. he's like basically like they need all that time because of all the story they built right, in there, right? You know, and that they have some of uh fast spenders old actresses in there yeah and uh, you know one uh, one thing i do think is interesting from that suspiria remake is how you have um like the old one is technicolor and the new one is kind of desaturated yeah. and normally it's the opposite right yeah um so i think that's an interesting approach but yeah i mean i will just say once again you know for people unfamiliar you know this guy he also did the terror amc's the terror um you know which you brought up earlier but i just i, I will say that on that level um I really have a lot of faith on this because there are things that just get under your skin in a way that the terror does that is just, it's almost, it's impossible to properly describe like how much it fucks with you. And it's in this really psychological way. Yeah. So, I mean, that it, it, that's his wheelhouse. Um, so I've got a lot of hope for Suspiria. Yeah. And that's just like one of those things that, you know, really like, you know, he's saying they're, they're just going a different way from the Argento version altogether. Right. You know, like, they got Tom York from Radiohead to do the score. And, like, uh, you know, he's like, it doesn't sound like Goblin at all. It's like in that he was, like, really excited. Like, Luca sent him, like, an MP3. And he's like, he was, like, geeking. I was like, I just realized I'm, like, one of two people in the world right. who have heard a new Radiohead right. song. Right. And it's just kind of, like... Oh, wow. I would have never thought of that. Yep. You know, exactly. so yeah, he seems really cool. I think that's the future, by the way, of a lot of scores is, or a lot of musicians is, is that they're going to reinvent themselves as composers more yeah, and more. Sure. I definitely see that happening. I also think, I just want to say this just kind of in general. I know we've kind of talked about it on the, the podcast before, but I just, I've actually been one of the most ardent people with people going, ah, oh, you know, it's like the weird, especially in the horror community with like no remakes. And it's like, I could, I mean, some of the best films are remakes. Yeah. So, well, yeah, yeah and that's on. one it's of the like, things come on, we man. were talking about. It's like there's this really ardent anti-remake thing among the horror community. Like, you know, like they'd rather see like, you know, 13 bad Hellraiser movies rather than one remake. I'm glad those people weren't around in 1981 then, man, because yeah. otherwise we wouldn't have the thing. Well, it's the we thing, wouldn't have the, the fly, fly, and the blob. Right. It's the yeah. perfect trifecta. Exactly. But it's not just that. I mean, there are, I think the Hills Have Eyes remake is better than the Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. I, and I love the Hills Have Eyes. Um, but I think. Yeah. I, I, I will say the Fright Night remake is terrific. It is. And way I don't know if, I, mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily it's better not than better, the original, but it is. But enjoyable. it's a terrific film. Yeah. But that's what I mean. 
thing. It stands on its own. It has its own merits. And it's some of these films, they're like, well, I'd have liked it if it just didn't have the well, title. And it's and like, it's, yeah, and that's such a bullshit cop yeah. out. And it's one of those things that's really bizarre to me. Like, cause Brad Fuller from Platinum Dunes, he's like Jason Bloom's partner in Bloomhouse. So seeing him on a panel going, yeah, we're all about original horror because we realize that's what works. And I'm like, I think you would know that by now from experience, having done so many bad remakes. <laughs> right. Well, and all some are right. better than others and stuff, and some it's just, yeah. I mean, the Friday like the Thirteenth yeah, remake not was ba- not well, a I was bad actually movie just gonna bring it up. I like that movie. Which, I like that movie more than most of the Friday Thirteenth yeah. movies. I was gonna say the best pre-credit sequence possibly. Totally. In I mean, for for one of the best late title cards ever. Yeah, yeah late absolutely. title cards. It's um. But I just feel like with people, I mean, I also live by the axiom of nothing sacred. I mean, I have my own beliefs and values and, and what I enjoy or what I have faith in. But I truly live by nothing sacred. It's like whatever you want to do. Like, of course, the big question for people with me is they're like, well, The Exorcist is your favorite movie. What if they remake it? I'm like, then they remake it. I'm going to go see it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would hope they go back to Blatty's novel and the source material and come up with their own take on it. Right. But I'm not going to sit there and be like, like, oh my God, how dare they? I, and people's self righteousness with pop culture, it kind of goes back to the yeah. 80s thing. Yeah. It's the, 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 the religious fervor just kills me. Well, it's yeah. like, like the sense of entitlement too. Well, that too. Yeah. You know, I mean, really, it's like you feel, it's like that's the things fans feel that they own the properties just because they're fans of it. And I'm sorry, like, I don't care if you bought the merch. I don't care if you saw the movie five times. You don't own it. You don't get oh, yeah. to decide what they do with it. When you also don't get to decide, it's like uh, people also have a real issue with how people interpret movies or books or whatever entertainment option there is. They're like, well, that that's not what it was about. It's like, yeah, but that's how I interpreted it. Right. It's art. It's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, I don't know. I guess that's my thing with like Comic-Con circling right. back is, is that I always imagine. I mean, I think a Star Trek convention is probably the worst elements of that. Mm-hmm. But still, and I mean, I'm a Star Trek, I'm a Trekkie, I'm a Star Trek fan, but I, my brother went to the 40th anniversary and said it was probably the one of the worst, exper- best and worst experiences because mm. of the fan base, because yeah. they are so entitled and they ask the dumbest questions. And it's like, see, I don't know, like, cause I, I, uh, that's actually something I did as a kid is I would go to Star Trek cons with, oh, so my, with my mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so you probably remember, cause it was like, this was during the drought, right? And, um, you know, I remember going to a Star Trek con that was in a hotel and mm-hmm. it had one guest and it was Michael Dorn and yeah. it was like a little ballroom with merch. Um, you know, it was, it was honestly, you know, it was something like around this, you know, like it was a little bit bigger than something like a monster market right you know it's like but it was so cool because like all the people were just like really genuine fans it's it's the pre-internet pre-social media yeah that's how you got merch that's how you met people you made friends there's nothing wrong with the con i'm talking about the the added the entitlement attitude of people right and i'm not just trying to pick on star trek or anything because i can say it with any franchise but i always find that with a lot of like comic-con stuff Mm -hmm. is people either their entitlement or that they're, they're, um, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's just like their attitudes about stuff. Like, right. how dare, either, how dare you do this? It's like, I'm not responsible for you. These people on stage are not responsible for you and your right. feelings. Like, no one cares, Chief. Yeah. But of course, now they have the internet, so everyone cares. <laughs> you know, it's, it is what it is. Yep. But, yeah. uh, any other highlights or lowlights? Um, yeah, that was the main thing. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, 
about the terror. We talked a lot about, you know, Suspiria and all that. So, I mean, I think that was a good conversation. Maybe something will come of it that we can talk about in the future. Nice. Um, But, yeah, other than that. Well, Victor, before we got into the thing, told us we both, Josh and I really wanted to know about The Purge. Store and <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah. the Demolition Man Taco Bell. If you yeah, want to yeah. Follow those quick. So I mean, there were a lot of activations around San Diego Comic Con. Like one of the things, like they had um, the pedicabs that were free during the day, and if you got on one, they would take you somewhere, and then in exchange, you got swag. And we discovered that by accident. Like we got on one for the Orville, and then mm-hmm. like it, you know, it took us like up eight blocks, and like oh wait, and then they just gave us like literally like twenty Orville buttons. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. okay, that's awesome. <laughs> but then, like, a few places we went to, they were, like, like old-school-looking bellhops. And uh-huh. then, you know, like, we walked by, like, oh, here. And then he handed me, like, a luggage tag for Bad Times at El Royale. Oh, cool. So we got, like, a few of those. So, like, that's the kind of, like, oh, you saw somebody looked interesting. They were probably, like, right. a, a character. Sure. And um, nowhere was that more, like, obvious than a few of these, like, activations that were like purge city was the big one um hulu had a really cool one i didn't get a chance to go to just because it was a way you couldn't do everything but they had built a mini castle rock uh-huh. that had like a car underwater That's and you could tour cool. the town they also had like walking dead dead quarters that was like you know part of their set with like zombies and shit and they had like a full-on jack ryan one that took an entire block up it, like we drove by it, there were like helicopters crashed and like burnt out buildings. Sometimes I wonder about the return on investment for shit like that. I think basically a lot of it is just like trying to like get people's attention, and you know, it's. I mean, we're talking about it on yeah, the podcast, exactly. I guess, but like, is that really? I mean, let's be honest. Like, is that city block that they paid for for Jack Ryan going to translate to like that show being that much more visible? Well, I mean, it, it is a good way of getting advertising dollars out. I mean, right. if you think about it, like spending like a million dollars on a commercial versus spending like you know, maybe $100,000 on building a little set for a weekend. Do you think that's all it costs, 100000 Well, I Some mean, realistically. Them, yeah. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can believe Some, that. The real yeah, estate could be probably between 100000 to a million. But yeah, I mean, com- it's funny how much TV is dying. Right. But commercials still cost a yeah. fortune. Like, yeah. yeah, and so. then like the big one was DC Universe, which I, I just <laughs> didn't have the chance to get into. But basically, everyone's like, it's not worth it. It's no. like basically tons and tons of lines. Dude, did you see that Titans trailer? Yeah. That was one of the biggest pieces of shit I've ever seen in my life. I mean, life. I probably will get DC Universe eventually. I would have felt like embarrassed to have put that trailer out. Yeah, it doesn't look good. And it's weird. It's the kid who was the lead in the new Pirates of the Caribbean movie is yeah. Robin. Fuck Batman. Yeah, that was stupid. Wow. You know, and I hate Gotham in the fact that, like, that Raven looks so bad. I'm like, I... So bad? Yeah. No, it's like they're trying to ape Runaways or something on Hulu. But, like, I want... They had a full, like, DC Universe immersion experience. Mm -hmm. But, like, we signed up for it. We never got to go on that one. The same as the Mr. Mercedes one. And, uh, basically, it's because you had to wait in line, like, six hours. And people were like, it's not worth it. You wait hours just to get in line. For little activations that, like, there was one in there where you get to beat up a clown with, like, yeah, like, you, they dress you up in a costume, and you're, like, running through Arkham Asylum with a straight jacket, and you have to beat up a clown that was placed there by Harley Quinn or something. 
But then the purge one we did, and that one, like, it's funny. If I had known the line for that was going to be four hours long, I probably wouldn't have done it. But they built it in a way so you only saw part of the line. Ah, it's like the Disneyland thing. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> oh, it looks like people lined up to go into a store. Okay, and then it loops and loops and loops. I'm like, right. motherfucker. Yeah. But then what ended up happening is there was like a social media thing where like I you tweet at them. They'll give you X. So basically, here's how it works. It's like a party city. Yeah, I was wondering because it looked like a party city. It isn't. It, okay. What it is, it's like it's it's a Petco Park, the the San okay. Diego Padres baseball stadium, and they built a fake store in there. Hmm. So like that whole thing is cool. all like they built it. It doesn't exist. Right. And yeah. um, so like you're waiting in line. People are giving you flyers. They're like party city flyers. It's like, oh, everything is X amount in purge bucks, which is when you go in there, they give you an envelope full of money. Yeah. Which is uh, like air quotes. Yeah. No, the, but it's actual bills right. that have like a purge mass character and everything. And the actual activation, that's like Jason Bloom was talking about on the panel. That's what he's calling it activation. Mm-hmm. And. It was really well thought out, super clever. Like, just to get inside, you had to go through a metal detector. Oh. And that was, and they had real security going through your bags and shit. It wasn't just somebody pretending to be a security guard. Mm -hmm. It was like the same people they had at San Diego Comic Con, basically. Like, oh, we'll wait, wand you through. Because, of course, in a purge universe, you're going to a store the night before the purge. Clearly, they would check you for weapons. That's pretty funny. And, like, they had, aisles and aisles of products some of it you couldn't buy okay you know like they would have those like things where like when you go to target and they have the little locks for electronics gotcha you know? yeah yeah, yeah. yeah right so like front. yeah like they had stuff like pet armor you know armor <laughs> like all this kind of like crazy shit like i did a walkthrough that i posted on our youtube channel but it, it, a lot of this stuff you could buy what a lot of people did and what we tr- did is we pooled our money to mm-hmm. get better stuff. Oh, cool. Because otherwise you'd be stuck with like 12 hour purge candles or like bought each, each of, they gave us like bottles of water uh-huh. for waiting in line for free, but you could buy bottles for two purge bucks each. And how many purge bucks did you get? We ended up with 50. So, but was that by pooling it? That was by pooling it. And so they gave us is ten. that is that no, just you and Ruby? No, yeah. So we each got twenty. Okay. And then because I I was participating in their online thing. Okay. And they gave each of us five purge bucks each, and we were also supposed to jump the line. Okay. To get to the front, but then the ground team wouldn't honor the marketing team's tweet. <laughs> so I talked to a few different people, and this one guy Lloyd, I'll give him a shout out because he was super cool. He was also the cashier when we got to the cashier he's just like grab whatever you want i'm not gonna charge you wow because that was fucked up so literally we're just grabbing shit nice get more purge pants get some bumper stickers right you know so that was like buttons grab extra buttons you know but yeah the whole thing was cool they had people doing demos and this is what was holding up the process is once you got into the store there was no time limit right so literally there were people who were hanging out in the store all day long and i guess the fire marshal was only letting them have 50 people in the store at a time so if you're having people who are literally camping in the store watching all the demos and trying to get there were people like hey can i have an extra purge buck if you aren't going to spend it 
because they were just trying to buy everything in the store. <clears throat> oh yeah, I yeah. know the type. <laughs> yeah, especially with flippers. I yeah, imagine they were going. Well, I'll get everything, and then I'll find out which item is actually mm-hmm. the most desired and bestseller. Yeah. And yet another reason I fucking hate flippers, so. Yeah, and then they were doing demos every half hour, so they had, like, fake products you couldn't buy that they would tell. Like, the one we did, and I took video of it, was, like, they had a game called On Purge Night, which was their version of Cards Against Humanity. Oh, okay. You know, which was really funny, because they had people play along with it, and, of course, everyone was like, on Purge Night, I can't wait for, uh, uh, no, what was it, like, on Purge Night, uh, this is the main thing I'm going to try and catch, right? And then everyone was like, you know, my boss, uh, you know, uh, my enemy in a bear trap. And it's like, <laughs> well, my answer was, catch some Zs. <laughs> you know, so they were giving, like, you know, pe- nobody was matching because they were giving, like, really messed up answers. But yeah, it was really clever, and they had different products every half an hour. So it was like, you could literally stay in there all day, and everyone in the store was in fucking character, which is like, these people like were clearly getting paid something nice. Like, That's they were true. even selling like packages of seeds for to grow baptizias, and they were telling, oh, you need to plant this in X soil, and then make sure here so your enemies can see it as it's growing throughout the year. Just like your hatred towards them grows. <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay. Uh, and I did my video in character, and like a few people were paying attention to me doing it. As soon as I stopped, literally, the I'm the manager, and I just want to say the new founding fathers would really approve of that video. You know, so thank, it was super funny. Thank you, Hillcrest Community Theater. <laughs> right? Oh, I'm sure all the people who worked were like improv people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, and then I'd heard that we tried to do the Taco Bell one twice, and that was just, it was bullshit. You had to be there, like, a little, like, early, and, like, you know, they wouldn't let people line up, so basically got to be, like, oh, if you know somebody, they can get you in, and it was, like, a full-on three-course meal with, like, you know, the bullshit foo-foo food from, like, Demolition Man, but then the final course was nacho fries, because that's what they were pimping. You know, and like I said, a few people I knew got in, but it's only because they knew somebody who knew somebody. Like, there was a secret entrance and all this shit. And, you know, all the merch was stupid. Like, it was like the Taco Bell 2032 logo. You know, like, you know, nothing really cool. Somebody took a shot of the bathroom and it was like, you know, three seashells and it said out of order. Oh, gotcha. That was going to happen. Yeah. So it was kind of like, eh, whatever. I'm not really bummed out that I missed it. Yeah, no, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm not even seeing like any merch for it at all. Yeah, yeah I don't know. think it did too well. I, Victor was, started off just saying, "You notice how everything is just an exterior shot." Yeah, that's the reason why. Because it was right. just out on the street. They even had like the machine that gives you tickets, and that was set far back, so you couldn't even yell into it to get anything. You know, uh, yeah, because that would have been smart. They should have put the cursing machines out on street level so you could curse, get a ticket, and the back would be a coupon for nacho fries. Yeah, like hello. Even when I was at the NECA booth, um, when I bought my stuff at NECA, they were throwing stuff in your bag, and there were coupons for a twenty percent off NECA at Target because NECA is going to start having its own section at Target starting on August third. Yeah, that would have been really timely. <sighs> But that's, I mean, that 
This is why Taco Bell, you need a new marketing director here. Yeah. Victor would be happy to help. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> he's, already, I, I, he's already tweeting for Wendy's, so he'll <laughs> help you out with this. Yeah, and then the other thing, we tried to do Scare Diego on the first night we were there, which was like uh, Warner Brothers doing its horror movie thing, and that was an off-site thing. We didn't get in like in time to get a ticket for it, but we almost got in by saying we were press. They were about to let us in, and then like the fire marshal was like, nope, we can't let any more people in. I was like, God damn it, the one time being press would have paid off. <laughs> You know, but it was cool. I mean, they showed some footage from It Chapter 2, apparently, but it was, like, the grown-up losers meeting up for the first time, mm. which I'm still not totally sold on that. I wish I would have gotten to see that footage, but, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, and NECA, had, like, won the con. Like, clearly, they had the best, like, they were doing Golden Girls action figures. Mm-hmm. Best toy announcement ever yeah i literally hashtagged it what i would have my seven-year-old self would have given for an estelle getty figure. <laughs> i'm not seven-year-old self a big gold golden girls oh, fan i love golden All girls right. i watched tv with my mother yeah. so like, no that's I grew awesome up on why i was a kid we didn't have we only have one tv and didn't have it i have so many so, so just, many friends that are just so into golden girls well, we it's just, crazy i mean it was like i grew up watching murphy brown and yeah. Golden girls and right. soap and designing like, women designing empty women. nest yeah all those shows oh, i hated oh, all those shows because because the thing was is, is that i watched whatever was on tv and i wanted to watch right. what my mother was watching so it was i uh, you know it, it was i watched my brother watch what my mother see you're right the 80s is not all great yeah. Well, no, it's just it's different strokes. I truly, but not different, different strokes. No! <laughs> I saw that. Oh, I really wasn't trying to pun it. Yeah. Up there. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let me. All right. Let me like try to like power through this. Power, Basically, power, like uh, Karate Kid figures are coming. Uh, yeah. Shape of Water figures are coming. Golden Girls. Um, so many licenses. Like, Don't forget Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura, which I saw in person, was not Terrible. sold on it. The uh the the Dimension X Rock Warriors and Leatherhead mm-hmm. toys did look really cool though. Um, I went through the Mondo booth. Mondo has a ton of cool one six scale figures coming out. They're doing like Kratos from God of War, tons of Batman the Animated Series, tons of new Tiki mugs. Well, uh, what, I don't like any of them. Yeah, they also have this thing coming out, which are, they were doing Mad Balls for a while. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing something called Mondoids, which are Mad Balls. It's in the exact same font as Mad Balls. It's just Mondo Mad Balls. Right. And it's like just like the horror Mad Balls I already have. Sure. It's like the same ones. Jason, Freddy. And I'm like, Yeah, dumb. Eh. Dumb. Yeah, I'm not super into it. I'm sure we'll see more of those. I mean, if- in a way, I'm really glad that I don't like any of this stuff. Like all, cause I, I had up till, now, actually, I have all of the Tiki's until the like the Planet of the Apes ones they just put out. Yeah. Um. And then I was like, no, I don't really like those. I don't like the Jaws ones that are coming out. I don't like the Cthulhu ones. Like, I'm not really interested in any of them that yeah. they're doing. They and- did like it, this is what pissed me off. So we went to False Idol on um, preview night at San mm-hmm. Diego Con, and like we got some cool mugs there. That's a really yeah. Cool I really like that one you got there. Yeah. Um. And like. This is one of the things I'll talk about another time. Basically, I'm kind of tired of tiki bars having hidden entrances because we walked around the building yeah. that False Idol is in one entire lap before we figured out there was a hidden entrance to go in there. Right. And I, it was fucking aggravating. Um, but it's a really cool bar. Once you get in there, there's glowing skulls, just like the 
fucking sh- Sankara stones from like Indiana Jones. Sure, sure. It's super cool. Mondo did a fucking secret Mondo tiki party there the next night where they were like selling all their mugs. Oh yeah. And it's like then the next night we passed by William Stout's booth at San Diego Con and he was selling the Cthulhu mugs. I guess they were selling at cost at this party for a hundred bucks each. Wow. And I'm like, that's like bullshit. That's I'm sorry. Crazy, man. Those Cthulhu mugs look cool. I love William Stout. His art is awesome. That's I'm cool. not paying a hundred bucks for a fucking I, tiki mug. I would mug. pay more than twenty bucks for a tiki mug. <laughs> uh, sorry. I mean, I like. Look, some of them I liked fine. I mean, I like the aliens one, the alien one. I like the the Iron Giant one. Yeah. Um, the Gremlin one I like, but I just I I think their designs are not great for the other ones because I think they stray too far from what a tiki mug is. Yeah. You know, like they're just like, Oh, look at this little statue. That's kind of shaped like a mug, you know, like that's, that's what's kind of bothering me a lot with them. That's what's starting to happen with a lot of tiki mugs in general. Uh, like I don't, if, if you guys don't know, I collect tiki mugs. I was just going to say Victor is the connoisseur. Yeah. We have like hundreds of tiki mugs at this point, not hundreds, maybe a hundred, you know, yeah. but say dozens. Let's say dozens. 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 Definitely have dozens. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's one of those things. Like, I have one Mondo Tiki mug, and that's only because it was given to me as a gift. Right. You know, which it's a cool mug, Mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, like, of the ones they show, like, I'm still not totally sold on, like, that Lawgiver Planet of the Apes mug. I agree. I don't like um, it. The Planet of the Apes uh, 35 next month, you know? But, um, yeah, like, I I will say, like, the. I'm interested to see what other stuff they reveal at Beyond Fest because mm-hmm. they always bring stuff out for that too. Right. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about because I feel like I've been talking so much, I want to stop. Um, two things: Shout Factory. We did the Supergirl panel. It was really cool. We got to see the restoration they did for the Blu-ray, which comes out came out yesterday or two days ago. Um, one of the things I thought was really interesting is says when they restored it, you could see the strings, and they left that in cool which i'm like all right it's like yeah we could have gone in and airbrushed out the strings but like i think people want to see that i'm like yeah i do I'm fine if you're trying that. to do an actual restoration yeah you know yeah, yeah it's hard i will say one of the ones that was really like i don't even know if it was the blu-ray i think it was just the dvd but holy shit watching falcor never ending story yeah oh my god <laughs> is it like a hard thing to to you know like oh wow this is not all what i remember like yeah because that's all i really want <laughs> the I mean, scales just... freak me out i'm like why how why does it have fur and scales it's electric it's just, just yeah because yeah. that makes fucking sense <laughs> the gamork, oh, oh, oh. The that makes gamork fucking was sense. what i feared but i love i mean that was actually my childhood fear was the gamork but uh i mean i, I always tell people i said that's all i wanted was a, a mogwai and a, and a, a luck dragon that's yeah. all yeah. i ever needed if you want to talk about 80s, all children like, of the eighties, yeah, it's yeah, true. those were my ultimate too, right? And they're coming out with so many more um, gremlins. I was just gonna say, mm-hmm. when they and the, the two pack with Atreus and um, Kratos looks really cool. He comes yeah. with like the blades of Athena, and the axe has the has that effect of it flying back at you. Like how? Basically, it has like the like this blue like motion line oh, okay. thing to it. It looks pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Pretty awesome, but I'm just glad that they're putting out more God of War stuff. And he comes with Emir's head that you can clip to his belt. Awesome, yeah. That it wouldn't be it wouldn't be complete without him. I, I was kind of surprised that um, they don't have interchangeable arms. Like uh-huh. it was still the same arms. Yeah. Like I thought it would be the ones where you would see the chains. Sure, sure. Yeah, 
But um, yeah, NECA had like the best booth by far. I got the Ninja Turtles box set. And I got the Guillermo del Toro figure. Nice. That's that's what I was all about. Um, and let me see. Uh, before I went the last day. Oh, and then like Shout Factory did the slate of what they have coming out. Oh um, uh, yeah, I'm already three hundred bucks. Oh man. yeah, um, for sure. I'm all about Screamers on Blu-ray Fuck and yes. single white female. Yeah, both of those well, first day I had buys. To go with the I already bought the Critters box set. Yes, that's uh, awesome too. I bought Sleepwalkers, uh, Candyman. Um, I've actually bought so much stuff. I've literally I had to condense my orders because I bought Trick or Treat. Of course, it's one of my favorite films. I bought uh, the like the uh, like Night of the Demons with the figure. It's talking about the new Trick or Treat. Trick or treat, the uh, trick or treat, Sam, the okay. Michael, Dirt, not right. the uh, heavy metal. Horror. Okay, gotcha. Good, yeah. good. Okay, so they're they're doing a new one. They, they're doing um, a Blu-ray, a deluxe uh, restoration, oh, and cool. gonna have a bunch of new special. I features. didn't see that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and there was, I mean, there was a few other ones, but they are absolutely killing it this nice. year. I, I personally think it's probably one of the best. Yeah. Uh, announcements they've ever made. I was, I mean, I actually had to look back through. The Critters was the four four disc Blu-ray with two lithographs. Uh, Urban Legends, the other one I bought. Um, Night of the Demons, the Halloween two and three steel books with lithographs, and I mean it's just been it was it was yeah they they I just love Screen Factory so much yeah. And then um, the last day I was out in California, I went to the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences in Beverly Hills for thirtieth anniversary screening of Hairspray. With John Waters, Pia Zadora, who else was on there? Ricky Lake, Clayton Prince, Colleen Fitzpatrick, aka Vitamin C, Mink Stoll. Um, that was a great panel. Um, the the president of of the Academy introduced the screening, and then Barry Jenkins, the director of Moonlight, was the moderator. That's pretty random. Yeah, well, apparently, you know, basically, he, it's a movie he had loved growing mm-hmm. up, and there was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of racial stuff in the movie. Sure. So it's like basically it was an interesting pairing, uh, seeing that, and there were like a lot of famous. It was weird because like the tickets were available to the public, but it was like a not a huge theater, mm-hmm. but it was like it's really bizarre mix because like I'm sitting here. Tracy Lords is like a couple rows from me, <laughs> and Dita Von Teese is sitting right behind me. Right, and anybody could have bought tickets to this. That's why it was just kind of like, what the, f-? you know? But it was a really cool event. Like uh, my friend Phil did the uh, 35 millimeter trailer pre-show. The movie itself was in 35 too. It was like a really good presentation. Nice. Nice. So yeah, I was. So I will say, if you're in LA and you can go to one of these Academy events, they put their tickets up. You can get them at Oscars.org. The tickets are like five bucks, and it's like awesome just for the Q and A's and you know hearing John Waters tell stories about the making of the movie and everything was really interesting. Brad, yeah. So yeah, all right, done talking. So <laughs> we can talk. That about- has been your trip to San Diego Comic Con, right? Five days in an hour. <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about movies because you guys love movies, and that's what we're really here for. So let's, uh, Josh, you have seen a lot of movies. What we've been gone. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, I definitely have. Um, I don't know, like, I haven't seen actually a ton, but one thing that I am making my way through is the uh, Joe Bob Briggs, um, The Last Drive-In. Um, so that's, uh, you know, on shutter and he did a, like a 24 hour plus marathon 
of a bunch of movies. And, uh, you know, he did it with like quote unquote commercial breaks, um, where he kind of cut in and did the thing like he used to do, you know, on TNT yeah. and stuff. And, um, so what's really funny. So I'm trying to like, I mean, I know what some of them are just because I couldn't avoid them. Cause, and that was actually, um, kind of annoying because in on, on shutter, like, he actually didn't announce what the movies were going to be ahead of time. And it was going to be just, Hey, you're going to get surprised. Yeah. But unfortunately what shutter has done is they've broken them up into, um, episodes essentially, you know? And so as you're going in there, you have no choice, but to look at, here's the next episode. Here's the next episode. So I'm actually a little annoyed by that because I wanted to just kind of be surprised as they went. Um, but the, uh, the first two films I've gotten through, and it's funny because like all the ones that I've seen um, that are there are movies that I've never actually seen before. Mm-hmm. So this is a really fun experience watching them for the first time, you know, with the Joe Bob Briggs introductions and the things. And I mean, he tells you some really, yeah, really some fascinating awesome stories. Um, stories about these things. Um, so the first movie was Tourist Trap, um, which, again, I'd never seen before. Oh, my all time favorite. Holy shit. What a, is unfucking settling. What a movie this is. Like, I'm, I am honestly just floored by, number one, I'd never heard of this movie. And this is one of the reasons that he, you know, was really pushing it. Cause he's like, this is like one of the greats. No one ever talks about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not considered a quote unquote classic like the other ones are. And, um, I mean, I will be honest with you, dude. Like, there's one scene in Tourist Trap that unsettled me more than the entirety of hereditary and i love hereditary i really really enjoyed that movie but the scene where he's like covering the girl in wax and he's talking in his voice yeah and he's like and is and he's uh you know telling her what she's going to experience and that she's gonna die of fear you know he's like you're gonna look so pretty and it's like just doing this voice and i was just i was just horrified by what was happening and there's like the the scene where he's like chasing um the girl through the woods and he's like meet my friend and it's like and he's holding the the head and it's like you know and it's and it's yelling her name or whatever it is and um yeah just i don't know what primal thing this film uh, like taps into and i don't think it's not just me right like it's that effective for you too well i saw it i actually never saw this originally you're right it's Mm -hmm. kind of a berry movie it's interesting it's owned by it's um owned by charles bannon full moon it was an empire pictures it's made in 79 um has one of the most underrated pino dinaggio yeah ever um and but it is chuck connors is the lead um and i'm not gonna spoil if you have never mm-hmm. seen it, but he puts on a tour de force performance yeah he really does because it's very low budget it's a small cast of maybe six uh people total like um they used obviously only a few locations mm-hmm. the house the actual tourist trap uh locale and like some exterior shots of the pond and stuff but it's just the way it's it has like a flashbang opening and then it's this slow burn yeah as the group that comes looking for their missing friends and stuff it's just there's just so much going on but i mean honest to god i if you didn't if you weren't afraid of mannequins before (laughs) right will be afterwards (laughs) and we're not talking about uh a little nothing's gonna stop us now (laughs) Um, as i'm feeling particularly punny today yeah it's Um, it's it's 
I mean, I guess like the film, it's like nothing I've ever seen because, um, you know, and Joe Bob talks about this, you know, a few times uh, during his little breaks, but he's like, it's like, you don't know what's happening. Like, is it, you know, is it magic? Is it mechanics? Is it telekinesis? Like, you know, which, which people are zombies, which zombies are mannequins, which mannequins are robots, you know, like you yeah. don't know what is happening and that, and it's, and it's so interesting and it keeps you so on your toes. And there's just like the parts where it's like the mannequins are opening their mouths and going, ah, ah, you know, and it's like, why, why, why is that happening? And why is it fucking with me so hard? You know? It makes no sense. Right. It's just super unsettling. That's, I mean, that's why truly people overuse the unsettling thing. But yeah. I, I think it, the one thing he says tapping into the primordial um, fear. And it's just one of those things where it really is. I actually own a couple masks from this movie. Of the oh, awesome. And I actually just bought a new vacuum form one uh, from my friends at Little Shop of Gore. Uh, that is absolutely incredible. They actually... I know you're going to talk about it next, but they also did a vacuum form of Angela Baker from awesome. Sleepaway Camp recently that I also have picked oh, up yeah. that I love. So, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So then, Tourist Trap. And then, yeah. So the next one I watched um, was, uh, and actually, it's funny because Tourist Trap, I had started watching it like laying down in my bed, you know, in, you know, in my bedroom. And I had to turn it off because it was fucking with me too much. I had to finish the rest of the movie during the day. Um, but yeah, the next movie was Sleepaway Camp, which is uh, a movie that I, you know, I mean, look, you can't be around horror and not know about Sleepaway Camp and not know about yeah. the ending, which I, I won't say for people that haven't, you know, had it spoiled for them but of course i knew the ending um you know i knew that iconic final shot of the film um but i never actually watched the movie and uh, i find like i mean this is not this is a different film than tourist trap right it's not like this like kind of like really really effective horribly unsettling movie this is more just kind of like a schlocky really fun and it's a post probably the 13th right movie, basically yeah and know. it's it's very watchable um you know and uh very i mean it almost like honestly kind of it, you know it, it it adheres closer to like a wet hot american summer for me honestly say meatballs yeah I mean, sure totally with a lot more death yeah but but then there's also just really you know fucked up parts about like you know the pedophilia yeah. and just like all that kind of stuff happening that it's um but yeah i, I mean as I, you know my favorite there are kids getting killed correct not just teenagers right. but actually young children although i do I, the one thing that kind of i mean I, I don't know how to dance around this without spoilers but i understand why all the kids camping got killed that's actually one of the most well it's talked about in the commentary uh-huh. that the director he really didn't want to do that part right but what it is is that um without spoiling anything, uh-huh. there is a question throughout the film if there is more than one killer okay and so it, i think it was the setup as the idea of, was there an additional pillar interesting and those kids did uh taunt the killer okay one, one of the killers. okay yeah so okay there, there's an interesting setup that's actually why i like it. it has a few more layers but it genuinely is funny like as a movie because it really embodies i went to summer camp in the 80s it was really like that <laughs> right in a lot of sense i just went to like with a lot more fucked up kids than that like uh not not quite yeah. murder yeah, but yeah i'm yeah. pretty sure i went with a future a couple future killers <laughs> and arsonists right man, i want some messed up kids yeah man um so yeah and and i i do look forward to um you know kind of coming back as i as i make my way through this marathon and future episodes we can talk about the other films because i do know 
that, I mean, like, for example, I know that the next movie on there is uh, David Cronenberg's Rabid, which is, like, the only Cronenberg I haven't seen. I know that the final one is Pieces, a film I have not seen. Oh, I love so, Pieces. Yeah, so I... Pieces is so good. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to make my way through this marathon and, uh, you know, kind of talk about these as we go. Um, but then I, I did uh, this week, um, you know, probably the, the very big release this week is uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Right. Um, so I did see that and, uh, I, yeah, I really like it. It's very good. Um, I, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the last film, um, which is, uh, a Rogue Nation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ghost Protocol is my favorite. Me one. too. Yeah. I think what I liked most about Rogue Nation is, uh, the supporting character mm-hmm. that it introduced, like, Ilsa Faust. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and she's good and she comes back in this one as well. I I definitely agree. I, I, my my big thing is I really like that. I like the way they they Ethan Hunt has kind of become this character where mm-hmm. like, you know, you could tell he doesn't really like his job. Like yeah. it, but it's like Simon <laughs> Pegg is like, "Oh yeah, you won't have any problem to like almost drowning like Right. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. it's like I have to do this and there's no other option. It's funny, you're right. And they started doing yeah. that like I think in Ghost Protocol when he right. was uh when he was uh climbing that, yeah, that exactly. building in Dubai. And He's like, You just have to go up to it's just twenty floors. He's like, Just? You know, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh yeah, because they're always like just this oh well Ethan Hunt can do it. He's a Superman, but you can see he's like, Oh my god, I don't want to though. Um, you know, but but so and I you know, I do there is a review of this movie up on the website, cultfollowing.co, where I get into some more details. But you know, so you was know, it worth the Justice League sacrifice. <laughs> That's what I yeah, think everyone wants right, to know. Right. Henry Cavill's mustache impressive enough. Well, it is an amazing mustache, but like, I mean, I guess I would say no, um, because I think that this care, I guess here's the way I would answer it. Like, personally, it's not that big of a loss for me because like Justice League was not like a movie that I'm super attached to. Yeah. But like, um, here's the thing. I think this character would have been just as effective with uh i don't know a a uh, super glued on mustache or like yeah. a, you know spirit gummed on mustache i think they could have done a mustache it, it almost seems petulant yeah. of christopher mcquarrie or maybe it was just the studio saying no fuck you we're not going to shave our mustache we have a contract you know it seems like that's a real not playing fair kind of a thing to do yeah i would have just had him put on a spirit gummed mustache and done that i mean they could have done that would have been effective um you know but I just, I genuinely think that Henry Cavill is kind of wasted in the film. Um, he is so cartoonish in what he is doing. And, um, you know, he does kind of go some places as the, the story progresses that I think do give his character a little bit more to do. But he is just this kind of cartoonish character. It's like, you know, it's like the, the, it's brought up in the film, Angela Bassett, who plays like the CIA boss. She says, Ethan Hunt is the scout, is the scalpel and, and, uh, August Walker is the hammer. And, and oh, that's boy. that's exactly what he is. He's just like, I'm going to punch things. That's my solution to everything, you know. And it's like Ethan Hunt's trying to be all slick and, you know, awesome like as he is. And he's like, no, I'm just going to fuck up your plan and just, you know, knock out the guy that you're trying to get information from. 
you know, da da da. You know, so it's like, you know, it's like in a lot of ways, it's like, I don't know, that, that character's not the best. There are some very good characters, new character by the name of White Widow. Um, and, uh, she is, uh, she actually has a connection to, uh, one of the much earlier Mission Impossible films. Oh, nice. So that's a really cool throwback. Um, but I just, one of the biggest issues I had with Rogue Nation was, like, specifically that underwater sequence that you yeah. brought up. Um, how it's, it was so CGI. Yeah. And that's not something, I mean, the first Mission Impossible movie does have some significant CGI. I that, feel like the, it, no, yeah, mm-hmm. Mission Impossible 1 and 2, and to a lesser extent 3, are the only ones that do the CGI masks. It doesn't work in any of the, they're like, they're either the machine breaks uh-huh. or. Actually, the first one, they, they're not even CGI. It's, it's oh, all yeah, makeup. It's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's definitely CGI in the other, in, in part two and part three. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then in the other ones, like they don't do it at all. Yeah. It, it breaks. Um, and we do get masks back in this one, which oh, is, nice. which is fun. And, and, uh, we do get Benji gets to finally wear a mask. Yeah. Um, which is funny because they've been leading up to that one for a long time, but it was, um, I don't know, like, I feel that, and so this is the main departure for Mission Impossible, right? Is that every single Mission Impossible movie up until now has had a different director. Yeah. And in a way, they're almost different genres. Every single one is a different genre. Yeah. The first one is like, yeah, like an actual political. Like, yeah, it's like, like a seventy like the Americans film. or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then like number two is like a really shitty action. Yeah, film. it's like a nineties action movie, like John Woo action movie. Oh god, movie. it's so bad. Yeah, um, yeah. Although I will say, I, I just did rewatch all the films in anticipation for this one, and it's not as bad. Like I would say, I think a lot of this is that my um is my appreciation for Tandy Newton. Uh-huh. Um, you know, especially just coming oh, off yeah. of Westworld. Well, she's the best thing about that movie. Yeah, she it's definitely the worst is. Mission yeah, it is easily the worst Mission Impossible movie, but I don't think it's as bad as I remembered it being. As it's all. very much like, oh, let's just make this a James Bond franchise. Yeah, it totally plays that way. Even if you watch it now, it's like, oh god, it's totally like a fucking mid eighties, like like a view to a kill. Well, or and something. it's it's too serious, yeah. and that's the thing. And even part three, um, part three is a very serious movie yeah. as well, but it's grounded in like this real heart that yeah. the movie it's, has. It's a course correction too, because part two is not a Mission Impossible team movie. Right. It's literally just yes. Ethan Hunt doing yes. shit. Correct. It's yeah. like him on his own. Um, exactly. So, you know, I will I definitely... I the alternate poster. <laughs> like, doing shit. Yeah. So, my, my issue... So, the way I would rank them is I put Ghost Protocol number one, yeah, the I've... first Mission Impossible number two, Mission Impossible three, three. then, um, and now including this one, this would be the one right after three, the yeah. mo- most recent one, then Rogue Nation, then part two. Mm. Um, so I do think this, that, that, that Fallout is a better film than Rogue Nation, but it is a departure because it's the first time a director has come back. Yeah. Um, and it's also a literal continuation of the last film. Yeah. Um, which I think is cool. I think I mean, it's cool. I didn't pick on that up the first until I Oh, wait, that guy they're questioning is totally the villain yeah, from the last exactly. movie. Exactly. But with that said, I hope they don't do this again. Like, this was a cool little thing. This is like, in a way, they all have their own genres, and the genres yeah. of Christopher McQuarrie's are that they're connected to. Yeah. Um, and so that is very interesting. I mean, and yeah, and I will say, like, even though I haven't seen it, I don't know how I feel about them bringing back uh, Alec Baldwin to replace Jeremy Renner. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not Alec Baldwin. He's not replacing Jeremy Renner at all. 
Like he's he's barely in the movie. Just oh, so you okay. know. yeah, Alec Baldwin is barely barely in the movie. Mm. Um, you know, I, if anybody, they're bringing in Henry Cavill to replace Jeremy Renner. Oh. You know, kind of where he stands in the story, and it's and it doesn't quite work. But I don't know. Part of that I think is by design. I think he is intended to be a balance to Ethan Hunt in a way. Yeah. Um. You know. So. Uh. But but I I will say you know the issues that I have with frankly both of Macquarie's films is that there's not that one single iconic scene and that's what i think about with 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 ghost protocol i think about like obviously scaling the burj khalifa right yeah you know i think about like with the original the original mission impossible so many of them so many iconic scenes clinging to the top of the train the part where he you know gets pushed forward by the explosion running from the arcvarium thing and the water rushing yeah. in behind him obviously the big one suspended just above the ground hanging down from the ceiling oh yeah you know yeah, so you've got good... all these iconic moments throughout really every single yeah even, i think even if, mission impossible 2 has I the the yeah the fight yeah, yeah. with on the motorcycles yeah. right you know so they all have those iconic oh and him things. climbing the side of the mountain totally the totally yeah. which um you know and, and and i don't really yeah i guess okay sure you have the opera scene in rogue nation you know i guess but none of i don't think anything in those two films reaches that iconic level but what I will say is that what well, I guess the last mm-hmm. one was it was him hanging off the side of the airplane. Yeah, true. Which lasted for like twenty seconds yeah. and was at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um. And to me, that lost its iconic feeling because it didn't have a proper build up because it yeah. was the very beginning of the movie. Um. But I will say this movie has one of the best car chases ever like um it's through paris and it's like starts in a car and then moves into motorcycle and this like goes in the pantheon up there with ronin with the born supremacy um it's like seriously a probably 25 minute i wasn't timing it but it felt like a 25 Whoa. minute long <laughs> um car chase I'm sequence not gonna lie, i'm excited to watch it. yeah that alone is worth the price of admission um and then there's a really good foot chase over the roofs of london and then there's like the end helicopter chase sequence which uh, uh tom cruise actually flew the helicopter himself um so you know that's the thing as far as him doing his own stunts you know you talked about the scene in mission impossible 2 about him clinging to the side of the mountain like he's actually doing that and i get nervous watching that and i and i actually read up earlier at how they did it and they actually had him attached to a rope with the helicopter yeah. flying above him and then they just cgi the he rope does out. a lot of stuff in these movies that like it's amazing mm-hmm. i will say that but it's like you know, I mean, on a certain level, I'm like, I get it. This is one of the perks of being an actor. Like, I get to hang off the side of a helicopter. Right. Like, I get to be hanging off the side of the tallest building in the world. Yeah. You know, but it, at the same time, it's like, damn, it's kind of scary. I mean. It is scary, but that, I think, is what makes it so exciting to yeah. watch. I mean, you know, think about, like, Face Off, right? And think about, like, the scenes in Face Off with so many of them where it's like you can clearly see that those are stuntmen. Oh, yeah, And yeah. it's embarrassing because you're like, oh, my God, that is so not them. Um, and, and what I love about the Mission Impossible movies is that you can see it's him. And there's literally a scene where he's riding a motorcycle against traffic in the, the roundabout that surrounds the uh, Arc de Triomphe. Yeah. And it's actually Tom Cruise riding this motorcycle against traffic. And that's, like, super, super effective when you yeah. see it on screen. Um, so I, I think that's one of the things that continues to bring me back to these movies it really is one of my favorite series so yeah i would say this if you if you liked rogue nation i think you will absolutely love this movie i personally was a little cool on rogue nation and i really really liked this 
but I would like to see them get a different director after yeah. this. Um, I'm sure they yeah. will. Although he's like Tom Cruise's favorite director. Well, he is absolutely because yeah. Jack Reacher. I mean, he was a co-writer on um, on uh, Edge of Tomorrow. And Dave and, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, you know that does make me a little concerned. You love how I pull up these like fucking mm-hmm. nuggets of terrible like. Boom, no, boom. I just I'm like that's the other tagline. He fucking did. <laughs> yeah. So um. So and then the final thing that I saw that. Um, I know you saw as well, Victor, that I would definitely like to talk about here is uh, Sorry to Bother You. Um, so uh, I I will just say Sorry to Bother You is um, I, I, I'm wrestling a little bit re- with recency bias. And with what? Recency bias. Oh, because um, I just saw it. Um, and I, I, before it I sat with me for like a good week and I still think it's probably my favorite movie. I really love Annihilation and I just don't feel until I see this movie a couple more times and sit with it for longer, feel comfortable saying it's, it's unseating Annihilation. But, um, I mean, it's, I, I, I will easily say this. Sorry to bother you is in my top five of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be my top movie of the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure it'll get dethroned by something we yeah. watch later on. Possibly, right. but I will say I really like this movie. Yeah. I it just because it's a mishmash of so of so many things Agreed. I like that aren't done well anymore. Yeah, like you know, I was talking to um, the rep at the end of the screening, and I was like, "This movie, like, I'm just surprised it got made. It's it's literally uh, like a cross between like." repo man in brazil and, and like idiocracy um but yeah i totally the brazil thing is the first thing i thought yeah because even more than repo man and i get like because repo man it's got like the kind of like punk rock approach of repo man yeah but um it also it i mean in in my opinion repo man as good as that film is doesn't approach nearly approach the kind of insight into our psyches as human beings as something like brazil does mm-hmm. you know like it's just in my opinion they're on, they're playing yeah, on I different know. levels like i i love 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 repo man but brazil is next level shit man like it's it's something that's really saying like hey by the way this is the world that we're in this is the prison of our daily lives yeah. and this is kind of like and where think, we're going i think i think it's just like it has this very terry gilliam like vibe to it i mean sure. i could say it's like brazil but in some ways it's even like you know baron munchausen where there's like this very like there's this thing that's happening right and then there's this totally fucked up magical realism thing going on that right. is just as valid you know but i think the entire film is magical realism like i don't oh, think I there's mean, it anything is, that's not yeah and, and that's what i like about it it's just like it's weird because like repo man is kind of like the same fucking way mm-hmm. you know and that like i think more it's gonna register to more people as a repo man thing mm-hmm. like if you haven't seen this movie like the bulk of it is about um as lakeith stansfield who is you know, Cassius like, Green? Yeah, yeah. He plays a character named Cassius Green. You'll you'll get it. You'll get it. And um, he li- you know he lives in a garage in his uncle's garage with his girlfriend. I forget what her Detroit. name. Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. Oh yeah, that's one of the best lines in the movie. It's like, what's your name? Detroit. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, my parents want me to have an American name. <laughs> 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 I mean, that like killed right. me the first time I watched it. But yeah, she lives in, 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 in his parents' garage and his, his, uh, or his uncle's garage. His dad is, uh, or his uncle is, uh, Terry Crews. He's basically right. playing the exact same character he played on, uh, My Name is Chris, you know? Right. And, uh, he, they're, you know, short on money. She's like a working artist. 
and he gets a job at a telemarketing company. Right. And which Dan- I am going to say, by the way, and this is important. I, my day job is as a telemarketer. Yeah. Okay. And so I will say this, the insight that that film shows, like it's clear that we should say that the writer director of this film is Boots Riley. There is no way that Boots Riley was not a telemarketer. Oh yeah, clearly. He gets it. Yeah. He definitely understands it. And here's the thing that really, oh, I I meant to mention this earlier. Clearly Michelle Gondry is like a massive, I mean, there's a part where they're watching the claymation. And it says like Michelle Gondry. Yeah, Michael Michael Gondry. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But yeah, every time he calls somebody as a telemarketer, his desk plops into that person's house. Yeah. Boom. You know, and he's not doing well. Yeah, they're having dinner, having sex. Exactly. You know, like, it's like, bloop, I'm here in your living room. And then Danny Glover basically tells him, oh, you got to use your white boy voice. Like, I already sound like a white guy. No. It's like, I'm not talking Will Smith way. You got to talk like, you're a white guy. You work here and you don't care about your job. You're doing great. It doesn't matter. And then he's like talking to me. And literally, he's like, hi, did I catch you at the wrong time? (laughs) Right. And what? The best thing this movie does, and I didn't realize, I, I thought it was only a couple of people. Anytime a black character in this movie uses a white uh-huh. person voice in the credits, it's an actual, like, oh, yeah. yeah, Pat Oswalt yeah. or it is totally, Willie Jones yeah, or, yeah. um, who was it? David Cross. I knew it was Pat Oswalt because he was in, uh, they, they were showing Pat Oswalt in the opening, um, the pre show. And I was like, oh, that's it, Pat Oswalt. Yeah, so that's the thing because it's totally overdubbed. It's a different person, yeah. which is so much more effective than having them just do a yeah. white voice. And there's even, like, like they have, like, these purposeful kind of, like, um, like distortions in the track. Yeah. So that you specifically are forced to know, like, no, no, no. We are listening yeah. to a different actor do this, and it takes you out of the film in this way. Um, but you know, you just, just, uh, just, just to give Kirby an idea of what what I'm of what we're talking about. Talk about the uh, worry free. Okay. So basically, where they live, it's like not the real world, clearly. But um, there's this company called Worry Free, where like, oh, if you're down on your luck and you can't afford, you know, your lifestyle. You can just sign this contract with this company called Worry Free. Where they'll house you and provide you food. All you got to do is work for them for a non-attributed period <laughs> of time. So basically, you sell yourself into slavery. Right. And it shows like this commercial on TV with all these people in jumpsuits sleeping on bunk beds, like two to a bed. Yeah. You know? But then like you watch, they watch TV and then it's like, Cribs featuring Worry Free. Yo, so this is where we <laughs> hang out. We have pizza parties. It's the best thing ever. Right, right. Yeah. The most popular television show, which is, this is very much oh, like, yeah. um, you know, but it's called I Got the Shit Kicked Out of Me, and it's just people getting punched in the face yeah. over and over the, again. Uh, idiocracy. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, idiocracy. Yeah. Also, there's, uh, it, you know, from the Lego movie, is like the, oh, where's my pants? You yeah. Know? Like, so it's that kind of idea. So yeah, so that's the kind of sad entire level that we're talking about yeah and in that way that's kind of why i'm like this is very much this is operating on a level of yeah. a brazil or a thx 1138 but it has the a kind of approach oh yeah but it's of, like yeah. of a repo man you have a repo oh, man or uh, yeah. an eternal sunshine I saw the yeah trailer yeah and i laughed a lot it looked really oh funny it's and super funny but yeah. The, um, yeah i don't know man the no whole, you won't but, get hit over the head no, with no, the no, message no, not, not, actually not that at all it's actually i um 
fully frank here, Terry Gilliam is one of my least favorite directors <laughs> of all time. Do I, you like Alex Cox? I mean, if you like Repo yeah, Man. Yeah, I like Repo like, Man. No, no, mm-hmm. that's like a plus. It's not hit you over the head with it. No, I mean, no, no, there's no, no, like. No. There's it's just his style of filmmaking yeah. wow. is just one I don't like at all. Yeah. I never have. I, I mean, I grew up But on if you Monty like, like, Python Be Kind, Rewind, like, literally, yeah, yeah. this is very much I like saw that. that. Yeah. You know, like, 12 Monkeys? I think 12 Monkeys, the movie, is is good. It's just, I there's something with Terry Gilliam's work. It's the same way I feel about Wes Anderson. There's mm. just, it's it's yeah. a style. It's a very... Kind of like this affected thing. Pronounced yeah. style yeah. that they do that. It takes you out just, of reality. It's not just in the um the storytelling. It's in the, the you know, cinematography. Even right. You, know, you can tell... That they frame things the way they want to do it, and that you know they work with a lot of things. Yeah. You know, I grew up with my Python, which I right. do love. Um, I just there's. I mean, I can get it. Like yeah. the it's beginning just, well, of Twelve Monkeys can be. It's like that movie is very non-linear. You know, and that's okay. It's like um, trying to explain. Like there's things I like about films. Like I always try to explain to people that Italian horror. I'm used to narratives and story, and you know, Giallo and a lot of the movies they have no. Right. There's no yeah. Suspiria has, is probably the most narrative driven movie possibly out of all of them. I mean, there's only Oh yeah, but I mean that's, it has the lightest story by yeah. far. And, and that, so that's saying something. It's as like much ballet as dancer goes to a school, school run by witches. witches. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One line, yeah. And there's ones that are even less. It's like what the fuck is the beyond about or House by the Cemetery, or any. I love the Beyond, but yeah, like what the is Beyond is literally about nothing. It's I not mean, it's anything. like, well, yeah, it's it's a hotel that's or a bed and breakfast that's built on a door to hell. Yeah, and stuff it's, happens, it's, right? Right. Yeah, it's just one well, one for it. But I love the imagery so much. I love the score. I love so. I love you know, it, Fulci and Argento are both. I mean, Argento obviously makes way more narrative driven than Fulci ever did. But it's one of those things where, I mean, I think people look at them, it's like, would I prefer, I prefer, um, you know, other, maybe other European horror, American horror, other countries compared to Italian, but visually, like, bar none for the budgets and everything, I, I mean, there's things I just absolutely adore. I just sometimes think certain films, you know, get left behind, mm-hmm. like, that I think are personally better, but it's like, stylistically, like, I own a huge amount of art and, um, like, masks and sculptures. Because I love how iconic the iconography of some of these these um, these films. But I yeah. mean, I was when I saw the trailer, I laughed so hard for uh, "Sorry to Bother You." I was like, "Oh, yeah. this looks really, really good." Um, I was excited for it. I actually was. I actually thought just Mike Judge in general that mm-hmm. very like, yeah. pointed. Yeah. Like, I think you would like. I so mean, yeah, Terry Crews is in this. I yeah, mean, I that's it's like a, I, a, I don't a, think it's yeah. a unintentional cameo. Oh no, no, yeah. no! I I imagined it. And I had thought of idiocracy and some of the others, but also of office space, just of life in, you know, people, when you have like a, you know, pointed look yeah, at what right. it's really like right. to be struggling. and Oh, yeah. I mean, because it so just get it. like, you know, it, it's like, you know, like that comic strip, like Bloom County. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a comic strip. And the more you read, the more fucking weird it gets. Right. Right. Like, that's what this is like. It it's, very much is. And and that's the thing that honestly impacted me the most because I, I had only watched one trailer once and I knew oh, yeah. it was about telemarketing and I'd forgotten everything about the trailer. And I, I went to see this movie and I just like honestly had my mouth agape during most of this movie. Like, 
oh my god, I can't believe what I'm yeah. looking at right now. Like this movie is so next level. Um, so yeah, I absolutely oh, loved yeah. it. I mean, Arn, Arn, uh, Army Hammer is fucking awesome in this. Oh yeah, doing his best John Hamm impression ever. <laughs> I mean, that's why I was like, God damn, he's like, he's like John. I didn't put that together. It's interesting, but yeah, it's he's really good. Like you know, and then there's just like scenes in that whole part that are just like. Mm-hmm. You're black, of course you know how to rap. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and a little real dance monkey dance kind of a thing going on there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to say that it's super important. I think you have a review of that on the site, right? Uh, no. Okay. I will. I just haven't gotten a chance because yeah. I went to San Diego. Yeah, right? totally. Yeah. yeah, well, definitely um, well worth watching. And then the other, I won't want to talk about it all, but um, I just want to mention 8th grade, as 8th grade. Yeah. It's really, really, really very good. I do have a review of that up on the site as well, so you can check that out on cultfollowing.co, but yeah, eighth grade is tremendous just watch the trailer yeah. and it's pretty much everything you would hope it'd yeah. be from watching the trailer i will say to you um I, you watched unfriended dark web yeah and it's like jen yamato had kept going on about how good that movie was yeah so so let's it's uh, you're shaking your <laughs> yeah, head right no, now it's like the first <laughs> film was not it was weird bad. like i was like whoa she really likes this i kind of liked unfriended a, a lot of i liked unfriended unfriended dark web it wasn't that it was a bad idea i liked the idea of the movie the execution was absolutely horrible mm. everybody's pretty much wasted in it they're all like the performances are completely dialed in like i think sometimes people and it's got uh what's her name from uh, uh get out yeah she's she's completely wasted yeah. in this movie georgina she, man yeah she's great like a great actress and she's wasted but the problem with this i think some people read my reviews it's like look let me explain something just real quick if i never have like when i go see a movie like fast and the furious or i just post a review of skyscraper right i know what i'm going in for i'm gonna have fun i'm not one of those people who's i can turn off my brain and not have to do some in-depth analysis. It's like, if you know what you're... I had fun. And if I have fun at a movie, then that is that is its own thing. Sure. Am I ever going to watch it again? Probably not. But Those are the hardest movies to write reviews for, yeah, though, Yeah, but too. they are. It's it's like, you know what you're going to get, and you enjoy it. That's fine. Like, I mean, it's... It, I Like, Skyscraper, I'll just give a quick thing. I already put a review up. But, I mean, if you really did enjoy... The two films the most was I really do love... I grew up with Cliffhanger. Right. I think it's one of Sylvester Stallone's more underrated films, and I enjoy it. And it's one of those ones where I I, I have a slight fear of heights. I've been skydiving, bungee jumping, even though it's... Did, of, like, the rock missing uh, limb have any, like, part in the narrative yeah, at all? Yes, and, but it was fun. It was... It's just generally, like, I think The Rock is one of those people. I mean, he is... Obviously, this film, Skyscraper, didn't do well. Um, Unfriended didn't do well. Uh, the power of my words. Um, they really, so, I know I, yeah, I, I, I just have a question about because, like, okay, because I'm kind of like a sucker for um, building scaling movies. Like, I, I really love the, like, Burj Khalifa scene in, in Ghost Protocol. Um, and, like, Entrapment is, like, one of my favorite, like, building scaling movies. Like, is there a lot of good building scaling yeah, in it? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the whole point. Is he literally does the craziest way and scales the building and stuff. But it's just, it, it's one of those ones where it's, um, they just did it right. Like, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, quick movie under probably just barely an hour and a half. Uh-huh. Um, it just gets straight to the point. Um, it had way more brutality in it than I expected. Like, it's pretty vicious. Interesting. For like a, kind of like a family oriented film. Uh, not like super gory. It's just, I mean. You know, it's like what real terrorists or mercenaries would be mm-hmm. like. I always hate that. It's the same thing I hate with um, 
uh, super villains or serial killers or like the the kind of like a slasher villain. It's like they kill anybody. It's like right. stop trying to make a, you know. It's like oh, we're not going to do that. That'd be crossing the line. It's like there is no line. Right. These people are awful. You know, it's kind of like so. I I feel strongly like that. But um, it was fun. Um, quick on unfriended dark web is that it's just one of those ideas. It it. It was literally a part, um, I feel strongly like it's, I compared my review to Hostile 2. Yeah. Which I love. I love Hostile and I love, I love Hostile 2 even more. Hostile 2 is better than Hostile 1. Oh, way better. But it's such a good movie. Um, it has little bits because it has that, the kind of like the backstory of it. But it's just one of those ones where I, um, I just walked out and I was like, wow, you could have done so much. I think that's like the first thing I said to the marketing. I was like, this could have been so much more and so much better. I like because the first film was supernatural. This film is not supernatural. Uh-huh. That's one of its better things is how it plays. Yeah, into, like, that's technology. the thing. Actually, one of the things I really didn't like about the first one is how it decided to go supernatural. I'm really glad I read your review though because um, I like I was thinking about going to see this movie because I kind of liked the first one, but the way you described it in the review is that it was a lot more kind of like a torture porny kind of a movie, and, it is. and that's not at all what I want to watch. Yeah, I well, do not do that. When well, it tries to be like, well, no, more of like it is a torture porn kind of thing or however way you want to look at it. But what it really is is just that it the cool part about it is the idea of being able people being able to manipulate technology remotely Mm -hmm. like that's a a a genuine fear people could have like oh my god is it you know someone could slam the door on me or something like an automatic door like there's some cool elements there i kind of like it It has this crazy ms dos like a commodore graphics for part of it that i really dug there's just little bits and pieces but just not enough um I, I don't know. My reviews are up for both of those. The one that isn't up, um, I do just want to comment on because I loved the original is um, the Equalizer Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Anton Fuqua. I like. I really enjoyed the remake of Magnificent Seven way more than I ever thought I was going to. Well, remake of a remake technically, <laughs> but it is. Um, I, I just, you know, Denzel Washington is one of those people. He can be in pretty much any movie, and I'm gonna enjoy it. He's just. I, I also have been on a big thing of, like, revenge movies lately. I really enjoy, like, yeah, I don't know, it's just something there, but I just love it. And this movie actually goes further in, like, how ruthless he is about it. And um, it, it's the only thing this movie fails from. It's it's very much like the first one. It's a lot of same elements, but they, they've got three storylines going at once. And, of course, they all the ends all tie up. But I feel it was like a little bloated. But I love that they have like serious moral discussions about like what they do and why they do it. Um, it goes a little bit more in depth. It kind of is almost like a. Um, uh, I, I actually explain when you talk about Mission Impossible, it's actually more of like a Skyfall. It uh-huh. has a little bit of some of the elements of that, <clears throat> like with like a Javier Bardem, like why he does what he does, right. or. A, um, I was also thinking of Mission Possible through like a Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. I think it's credit mm-hmm. to those the talent of those actors too. But um, Denzel is just you know it's it's just such a great uh, great series. I mean I didn't love this movie, but I enjoyed it again. So I guess it kind of a uh, two for two two out of three were, were somewhat <laughs> were enjoyable for what they were. But um, you know it, it's it, I. I I don't like to go sometimes as in-depth when it's this surface. You know what you're getting. Sure. Like, you really do. Um, there's not much I can say. 
Um, I, I really was racking my brain. I have been working. I wasn't joking about so much overtime to pay for those shout factory <laughs> yeah. box sets and all my <laughs> other purchases and mad monster and other things. But, um, the one I'm actually really, really enjoying right now is I'm watching on Netflix is, um, I, I departing heavily, but is uh Ken Burns Vietnam, uh, documentary hmm. um i've always enjoyed ken burns i'm a huge history buff and i love um his work i mean there is elements that i don't like but this is really well done um i think i mean probably out of 20th century wars i think only the korean war is more misunderstood than the vietnam war oh, is big time. but um yeah. i really enjoy i mean if you are into history and you enjoy ken burns or you enjoy documentaries it's either long it's it's an arduous i'm only like a few episodes in but i've been watching a little bit every day like a half an episode or an episode when i've been coming up from work yeah i just you know i i'm really into um uh, hearing all the, the the great part is they interview surviving um you know Viet Cong and uh Viet Minh, and then they also um uh you know it's all the the, the surviving um, members of Kennedy's cabinet, Johnson's, um, you know, the people, Nixon's, you know, people who were, wow. who were all involved because this spanned three presidents, uh, well into a fourth because Ford was, you know, was at the tail end was of McNamara it. McNamara still alive? Is he on there? I don't, I don't believe so because I don't remember ever seeing him because right. he talks infinitely uh, in the beginning, of course, because a huge part of this is people really do lose sight of how involved John F. Kennedy was in this war in yeah. his cabinet. But it's interesting how many different people were um, involved. It's it, there's nothing you know. Obviously, no war generally is simple. It but is, yeah. The it, in depth nature really does help with this. Like, yeah, it's it's actually pretty interesting because yeah, that's a really good point. People don't realize that the Kennedy administration was really responsible a lot for escalation in that sense. Well, and I also think people don't understand. You know, it's like and it's weird too because you know like. The president, like, was right before him and just got us out of, like, Korea, you know? Yeah, well, it, it does talk about Eisenhower as well. And it's just one of those ones where I think people kind of forget the Red Scare era and the post-Cold War, War and that Kennedy was an ardent anti-communist. Mm -hmm. um, I, there also was a point in this, you know, history and history in American history where the Democratic Party was... You know, there was a very liberal side, but they were also what a lot of people consider conservative. Yeah, it, it, that was when they were still very like southern and hawkish. Yeah, yeah parties so definitely don't mean what they used to. Yeah, mean. No. so it's an interesting thing where, um, but it's, um, and and of course, the so far and where I am, the one of the most interesting part is how uh, during the early to mid '60s, how uninvolved America was, like in terms of not knowing anything, no real, how many obviously covert missions. Um, that were involved with it. I don't know. I, it's just one of those ones. Like, if you're really into history, like I said, it's, um, I feel like obviously you get both sides interviewed here. You understand more, especially about the heavy amount of cult of personality. And it's just, there's parts that are just absolutely riveting. Um, you know, and no fortunate son. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the best thing. So oh, that's far. so good, so, dude. Yeah. We yeah. like, we, we laugh about that because, like, at work, we're always playing, like, radio in the background, you know, because we're like, we work in a phone center, right? And so there's always, you always have to have music playing to keep the energy up, right? It's always a thing. And, you know, so we go through every single different genre radio station on Pandora you can imagine. Yeah. And always inevitably, fortunate son comes on. And it's not just fortunate 
the sun, but it's also run through the jungle. Yeah. Um, and there's or, three or for what it's worth. And oh, and and uh, every single time, yeah. what, what was what was going to be your the, other one? The three Vietnam songs. Uh-huh. I will tell you. Fortunate son, yeah. run through the jungle right. all along the watchtower. Yeah, all along the watchtower. But I'll say, for what it's worth, yeah. is in Buffalo there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was yeah. Big, yeah. Um, but so but we'll say the four, the pantheon of the four. Yeah. So when any what, when any one of those comes oh, on, and, me and my buddies like we go, oh, let's go to Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> and and technically, you have to even mention the ride of the Valkyries. You oh right, yeah, time. totally, totally. Less that's so, that's a little yeah. more high minded. Yeah. If you have a scene on a in a TV show that's in the 70s and the guy, guys are in a jungle with a right. boat play any of those three yep. songs and you instantly know it's the vietnam war <laughs> yep yeah it's true i'm a fortunate son right yeah <laughs> <laughs> better run through the jungle <laughs> yep exactly. all along the watchtower <laughs> There Me must be some kind of way out of here. <laughs> to the Joker, to the thing. Meanwhile, Korean war vets are like, I always, I always preferred Rock and Robin. I'm oh, it's true. Well, here. that's actually one thing I got to say about what I love about Platoon because Oliver Stone had was actually in Vietnam, yeah. and they're all listening to like, yeah, they're they're listening to that kind of yeah. shit, and that that was something they nailed yeah. so much in Platoon. Because of course he was like the only one that had made a Vietnam movie who had actually been to Vietnam before. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll always say if you have the chance, watch Hearts of Darkness, the documentary oh, so good. that oh, Francis Ford Coppola's wife made about. Yeah. The making of Apocalypse Now. Yeah. I will say that documentary is so good. It made me like Apocalypse Now less. Oh, that's wow. how you know it's like a God, documentary. Apocalypse is Now good. so fucking good. I love that movie, but literally, that like when I realized, like I we had no idea how to end that movie, but we saw right. a bull being butchered the first day we were in Vietnam. I was like, fuck it, let's make that the ending. Wow. I was like, really? Hey, sometimes oh, it dude, just works. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. I will say, uh, we're wrapping this up. I'm not going to get into it too much, but if you have the chance, you should really start watching Castle Rock. Um, I'm going to go home tonight and watch Castle Rock. Yeah, I was really hoping you guys hadn't watched it yet, so I was like, because I'm like, I'm really going to try to binge it here. Yeah, I I honestly didn't even know it was out. Um, You know, I just... I don't know. I have Hulu. Yeah. I just didn't know. So um, I guess I, I love the cast. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch it's it. It's really interesting because it's like it's not an adaptation of any sure. one yeah. thing. I know. But it feels like so many things. Well, and I think I mean, as as you know, such a huge Stephen King fan, I think yeah. you as well, Kirby. I mean, definitely. it's going to be like Easter egg yeah. city. So yeah, I'm yeah. Definitely the only interested. like major character from a Stephen King novel that's in here is Alan Pangborn. Yeah, well, you got to have uh, Sheriff Alan Pangborn. In yeah, there. but it's to. like really cool how much they're working in the film version of the Shawshank Redemption. That's cool. Like, there's a really cool scene at the beginning that uses part of the score uh-huh. from the Shawshank huh. Redemption, yeah. and there's a scene in the prison. Like, you know, they talk about, like, the past wardens, and you see right. the warden from Shawshank That's awesome. in one of the pictures. We'll have a good old-fashioned book burning. Yeah. We'll see the smoke for miles. Yeah. It's really cool, and it's just like, oh, you can still see the bullet where the last, what, warden? Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't want to say I was fun excited, because Josh has got me so hyped for the terror. Oh, the God. The Blu-ray is released <gasps> the day after my birthday. When is so that? When is your birthday August again? August 20th. And the Dude, birthday, 
Blu-ray comes out August 21st. I am so excited to get that thing and watch it on Blu-ray, man. That's going to be great. Just with um, no hoping... freaking commercials. Because, like, I DVR'd it, but then you got to, like, fast-forward. Yeah. It just it takes you out of it every time. Plus, of course, the Blu-ray transfer is going to be better than it was on television. Yeah. Um, no, that's very it's exciting. Up. I hope it. Uh, it's it's not going to get a 4K release, but, geez, I can hope. You never know. Yeah, Westworld did, you know. Even though Westworld's never actually broadcast in 4K, it got a 4K disc release. So right. You never know. Um, but yeah, no, that's awesome. Great news. I'm excited. I'm going to buy the shit out of the terror. That's awesome. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up because that was a solid two hours on the nose. Hey, that's perfect. There you go. So, uh, like I said, uh, check out cultfollowing.co and cultclassicsaz.com for info on all the stuff we're up to. We will have a new episode soon. Um, and also we're always looking for comments. So if you like have something you're curious about that we talked about, let us know on Facebook or in the comments on, uh, this episode on sound questions. Yeah. So, so, so what's your go to Vietnam song? Right. You know, what's your favorite Vietnam <laughs> movie? Right. Yeah, exactly. There's so many. <laughs> the answer is house. <laughs> there you Damn go. Straight. <laughs> All right. Roger. <laughs> Join us next week as we'll talk about the film career of Richard Mall from House <laughs> to Evil Speak and Night Court. Hell yeah. Anyway, until next time, I'm one of your three hosts, Victor Moreno, along with Kirby Nelson and Joshua T. Ruth. Gucci. Until next time, remember, for the next 12 hours, all crime is legal except for um, any government officials level 10 or higher and any explosives level 4 or below are legal all right see you guys later